this comedic minds of the day. I mean, freaking Bill Murray doesn't get much bigger than Bill Murray in the eighties. Um, and that's, and you, so you go back and watch this and, and it's, it's, it's interesting to watch it as an adult because you do pick up on all of the innuendos. You pick up on all the, sure. just the subtle performances of it all. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's great. Uh, so going back to the director, Ivan Reitman, he was a cameo in this movie as well as demonic voice of Zool. Interesting. Oh, there cool. is no Dana. There's only Zool. Only Zool. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, budget of thirty million dollars. When I was a kid, <laughs> there is it is no pretty scary. Yeah. Oh my God! Get out what of here! What a lovely singing voice! Absolutely. <laughs> uh, budget of thirty million dollars and a box office of two hundred ninety-five million. It was number one film in theaters for seven consecutive weeks. It was one of only four films to gross more than a hundred million that year. Uh, it was the highest-grossing comedy of all time until Home Alone came along in nineteen ninety. Uh, in 2015, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the Nat- National Film Registry, and the theme song Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. was a number one hit for many, many weeks. Uh, some fun stats for you, Andy. Uh, the four actors playing the Ghostbusters were all at least six feet tall. Uh, William Atherton, the villain guy, uh, was also six feet tall, which made Rick Moranis the odd man out uh, in the principal male cast at five feet four inches. So good. I, I was shocked Tiny man. I gotta tell you what's great about it. Like, it's fucked um, up. You know what I mean? Get out here with the agenda. The performances this movie across the board are great. I mean, the fact they got Sigourney Weaver is ridiculous. But Rick Moranis steals the show every single time he's on screen. Bar none. I don't know if I'm wrong about that, Greg. I know. He's my favorite part of the movie, for oh, sure. No, I mean, Rick Moranis is fucking incredibly talented. And, uh, he, he delivers a performance. Do we know who he was supposed to be originally? Who was going to play that part? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, John Candy turned down the role of Willis uh, because his ideas for the character were rejected. According to Ivan Reitman in the DVD commentary that Greg's never heard before, I'm sure. Uh, among Candy's suggestions, he wanted the character to have a German accent and have a pair of schnauzer dogs. Uh, no one felt the German accent was appropriate for the character, and since there was dog imagery in the movie mm-hmm. with the terror dogs, they felt having Tully have his own dogs was too much. But Julia Roberts also was like, auditioned for, for the role of Dana. Oh, sure. I, I yelled at her. Who did it? Who did it? I'm sorry. Julia, Julia Roberts. Ah, yeah, I think I think uh, obviously the Grandis is just was an inspired choice, and I think for the same reason, right? Because he has such a small stature, he's such a different voice, uh, you know, opposite of when he had when he shares scenes with with Harold Ramis and uh, and Dan Aykroyd. I think he only has like one scene with with Bill Murray in the whole movie, which I think is the end. Like, somebody get that little guy. Um, but no, well, there's the, the thing where he passes him in the hallway. But that the, I'm, I'm thinking of a deleted scene more mm-hmm. where he actually talks to Lewis. But I'll be quiet. All right, but even then, it's like that's great too, right? That you just got such a he's such a timid little guy with his high waters, and he's wearing like the the turtleneck and all that stuff. I just love that when he the scene when he walks in, and he's allowed to shine when he walks into his party and he's talking to all his guests. He's like, "The scene's sure. so I get the generic version. It's a much better idea." And it's like one continuous shot mm-hmm. that shows you exactly how talented and how great Rick Moranis was back then. Entirely improv there. That's fucking bonkers to me. There's no way he did that off the dome. Uh, the, the fact I got here is when Lewis Tully mingles with his party guests, commenting on the price of the salmon and so on, the scene's one continuous shot and almost entirely improvised. It's, uh, almost none of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had at least one ad lib. Most of Bill Murray's lines are ad libs. Well, the cool thing, yeah, if you go back and watch, like, specifically the, the part where he comes out of the door and he's like, we came, we saw we kicked their ass. There's like five or six other takes of that of him just saying crazy shit. And they're like, that was the one that worked. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, the Bechdel test is a measurement of representation of women in fiction, asking whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. This movie passes. Once again, 
Barely. Barely. Uh, there is one scene with Dana and Janine where Dana says, excuse me, this is the Ghostbusters office, and she says, yes, it is. Can I help you? I don't have an appointment, but I'd like to speak to someone. Yeah, so with that, yes. it passes. <laughs> and again, you want to uh, talk about also utility players here. Andy Potts fucking coming in. Oh, just my God. Perfect in this movie. I like, like her, yeah. for this shit. <laughs> Ghostbusters, mm. what do you want? So good. Yeah. Loved her. Uh, yeah. Now just talking about our thoughts on the movie. I, this is the second time I've ever seen it. I watched it for the first time in like 2014 or something back when we were first on the Game Over Greggy show. And I was kind of like, I don't really understand it. I don't know why you guys love it as much as you do. And now being like a little bit older and like a little more, uh, kind of knowledgeable about like movies of, of that decade and like having seen a lot of my, uh, kind of, Having filled a lot of the holes in my uh, movie knowledge of the 80s stuff, like, this one definitely does stand out in a positive way. And I, I think that it is something really special where, at the end of the day, I love that it kind of defies genre and, and, like, you can't really put it down as a comedy or a horror or a sci-fi movie. It's kind of like a mix of all those things whenever it wants to be. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool that it kind of... Like, the fact that this movie isn't based on the previous IP, it's just its new own thing, and there's this whole world with all these characters, it's about getting the team together, and it's just a satisfying story with a lot of, like, fun moments, and I think it's just very well written. Like, obviously, the improv stuff is where most of the comedy comes from, but I think just from a plot beat-by-beat perspective, like, the movie just works, and there's so many elements they throw at you that shouldn't necessarily work together, but it was directed so well that by the end of it, you're kind of just like... Wow, I, I like the, the, the people here. I like this world we're in. And, and one fact that I, I read that I think it kind of is a testament to why this movie works is Reitman wanted a grounded, realistic score and did not want the music to tell the audience when something was funny. And I think that that is such a, a good example of, like, this movie made choices to not be overtly a comedy and to not go fall into the tropes of being overtly a horror or overtly this or whatever. So when those elements happen they kind of feel unique. And this movie just feels extremely unique. I think that it, it succeeds uh, very much at what it's trying to do. Obviously, a lot of things don't necessarily hold up, and I don't think it's the funniest movie ever. And it's like, there's certain elements where I'm like, I don't know why it's as revered as it is at the end of the day. Like, it's good. I don't think that it is amazing. Um, and when people talk about the, the comedy of it, like it, it being one of the best comedies, I don't see that. But that's okay, because I don't think it necessarily was trying to be the best comedy in the world. I think it's entertaining, and I think the the merits of the movie are everything you just said. I think structurally is where it starts to is it really holds up, right? It's a very well structured movie. The beats all hit. Uh, when we get to the end, when they're facing off against Gozer, you understand it, it is a really creative and good reason why the ghosts are all over the place and why the, these people's businesses would be um, coming to fruition. But at the end of the day, like structurally, they always talk about like what is this movie? Well, at the end, like. Reitman was like, we figured it out early on. This is a movie about a bunch of guys going into business and starting a business. And and that is what this is. It's like, you know, you get the montage of business is booming, and then all of a sudden it, it goes to crap toward the end, and they get arrested and all that stuff. Um, to me, like, when I, I do think of this as a comedy only because just the subtlety of the performances rings with me. It, it hits with me. There's all, one of the, I mean, everything Bill Murray does, there's two moments that stand out. One is when he's like, he's using a little squeezer thing and he opens up the fridge and she's like, he's like, well, I don't, I don't see anything. And she's like, are you sure you're using that right? And he goes, yeah, I think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of those little moments that he was allowed to do and they gave him that space to do hit me. And then I think one of my, the thing that actually makes me laugh out loud is when they, the first time they test the proton packs in the hallway. Sure. And they fucking light it up, and they light up that poor, like, yeah. housekeeper, the maid, and you just hear her go, 
what the hell are you doing? And they're like, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. That those those little like pregnant pause beats to me are what this movie is all about. And yeah, it's not I like, can, oh sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go, please, go please, for please. it. Uh, you trust me. Go ahead. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not like it's not Wedding Crashers, right? It's not in your face. Let's beat you over the head with the most crude comedy ever. It's just very subtle, and it's just a very very entertaining movie. Um, that that's why I love it. It's so Andy Cortez. Oh, sorry. Oh, Andy hasn't talked yet. Um, I you know. I don't know. I guess you just kind of had to be there because I'm kind of with Tim where I just just didn't feel it. I just thought it was, I don't know, I expected a bit more. Just kidding, Greg. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah. I mean, this goes down as like one of the best old movies that we've seen up there with. Easy. Yeah. Like, I again, a lot of these movies, I just have so many gaps in my movie knowledge because I was too young and I've definitely seen Ghostbusters 1 and 2, but before the age of 5. Like, I don't remember shit about them. I have small little vivid memories of Stay Puft and uh, the little creepy dude in part 2. And, like, what, like, all, I have all these little tiny things that I know from, and, of course, we always talk about our family guy pop culture knowledge where all that stuff that gets referenced are just things that I kind of am aware of. But, um... God damn, man. I'm not surprised that I loved Bill Murray so much in Space Jam because I loved him here, and I thought – I agree with Tim that I I thought the comedy was great. I don't think it's, like, the funniest thing ever, but I don't think it necessarily needed to be. I think every line that Bill Murray had and a lot of the smaller interactions just stick out so well and still hold up uh, in terms of that being a clever line, the timing there being great – Stuff that would still work in today's world of, you know, comedic movies or whatever. Oh, um, this movie could be like a Wes Anderson movie, right? Like, that's that's kind of what I think about this, like, in terms of that, where it's just stylized, and they're going for a, a specific tone, and they nail it. They nail it. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's fantastic. Again, this goes down as one of my favorite classy, classic movies that we've seen uh, up there with, like, Terminator and Karate Kid and all that stuff. This is a, an absolute blast, and I'm glad that... I can watch it again as a fully formed adult, somewhat fully formed. I still got time to grow, apparently. No, you know you don't. It's okay. You can hit six feet, baby. Movie fucking sucks, actually. Greg Miller, what do you think about Ghostbusters? I that's I think just the silliest the question you could ask, right? Like I don't I don't even that's not what I want to do on interview. Obviously, I love Ghostbusters and it means so much to me. And there's a million different ways to take it, but I what I, I want to double down on or double into is what you were talking about earlier, where you're talking about it like having this. It's entertaining is what Nick's saying. You're saying it's not a comedy like something you'd expect modern, obviously. And even Andy, of like, you had to be there kind of thing. I think there's a lot of truth in there, and I think it's one of the reasons, again, I no, by no means am I a, a, a history of film person. I am a Ghostbusters person, but I think to take a step back from that, even like I said with my parents, like, I am a Bill Murray person. I am an Ivan Reitman person. And so I think to try to contextualize why Ghostbusters blows up the way it does is a couple of different things is – I think, number one, it is this – the style of the comedy at the times taking a step towards what comedies will become or whatever or what movies become, right? Because it is this merging of comedy and uh, special effects in a way you weren't seeing. And what I mean by that is to take a step back and look at some of the other movies we've already talked about, both for Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, right, of like <clears throat> I grew up loving Stripes. I grew up loving the Blues Brothers. I grew up loving Animal House. And for me to go back even as an adult, like in college, right, when I'd go back and watch those, 
those were tough movies to show people that didn't grow up that way. Because all three of those movies, I think, just kind of keep going. They are all these people who are comedic improv actors or friends out there doing these things. There's a plot, sure, that's loose to it, but then it's just another scene, another scene, another scene. You're kind of going, like, where are we going with this? Like, Blues Brothers is, like, if you are from the Chicagoland area, Blues Brothers is the Bible. It is one of the most revered movies possible, right? But you watch Blues Brothers and you're like, it's still going, huh? All right, they're still on this quest from God that isn't even, like, doesn't even start as a real thing. It just becomes that way. Nick? Yeah, I mean, to second that, right? Like, I, I respect all of these movies. But coming from, like, Tim and Andy's perspective, I watched Animal House and I watched Blues Brothers because those are the movies that people from, like, that were older than me were like, oh, you got to check these out. These are the funniest, most clever, best movies ever. And I still don't vibe with either of those movies. Yeah. I've watched Animal House three times. I'm like, I don't get it. It's just a bunch of collection of scenes of admittedly talented people, but the plot is – the plot's secondary to letting Jim Belushi, you know, be a zit in, in the cafeteria and start a food fight. So, sorry, Greg, back to your point, but that's that those no, are my exactly. well, like, I show that. Ghostbusters gets this really, it's this really interesting, uh, like, fulcrum, right, where everything, I feel, again, not being by any stretch of the imagination as a film expert, but feels you see it turn the up corner. Where Ghostbusters is a story, it is condensed, and a, a huge shout-out to Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis oh, reigning in Dan Aykroyd's crazy-ass story of, like, how Ghostbusters was supposed to start when the Ghostbusters had already been around for years and they were kind of over it and yada, yada, yada. Like, they're like, no, this needs to be an origin story. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. Uh, and they cut so much from this movie. But it's this thing where the comedians are doing the comedic performances you want, but also then trying to tell you a story somewhere, too. And I know there's a whole undercurrent of people who say there is no story to Ghostbusters. There is no real plot to it because there is this whole, like, I forget who it was, but there's this infamous years ago now on the internet story that went around of somebody in a college class, or the teacher was talking, he's like, and that's why every movie has this hero's journey and, you know, and there's always plot, except for Ghostbusters. And everybody in class is like, what do you mean Ghostbusters is great? He's like, no, Ghostbusters is a really funny movie, but like, what the point of these movies is to learn and overcome and do these things. Yeah, like, is Pete Bankman a, a, a very different person at the end of Ghostbusters? Like, no what has he done? No, he's, there's no character He's the same yeah. person. We get to see this thing that happens in their lives, but it's not like this whole thing. Tim, your hand is up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, well, I just, uh, something you were saying uh, reminded me of a point I wanted to make where I think what makes this movie kind of work so well is, like we are talking about, it's kind of this unique vision and different, but it is this idea of a big-budget comedy. Like, yeah. that, that is such a, a, a rarity, and at, at this point, it's the most common thing ever. That's what MCU movies are, right? Like, that's the, the melding of, like, the humor being injected into, like, big plot-driven, like, action set pieces and all that stuff. And, like, with Ghostbusters, it's so cool to look back at, like, 84, and the idea that this movie, if you call it a comedy, it's like, there is so many elements, so much, like, uh freaking bleeding edge VFX and, and not just VFX, but like special effects, all that. And it's like, that is cool. And I think that's what makes it work is that they treated that stuff seriously. Like yeah. they treated it like it, that stuff was mattered. That was the point of watching the movie. And the comedy was kind of just a cherry on top. And that cherry on top just happened to be Bill Murray. So it's like, right. and Rick Moranis and like these, this incredible cast. So it's like, it, it's lightning in a bottle that they just kind of struck with this. And on top of that, having branding that is just, Killer and a theme song. I mean, it kind of of reminds me of the modern superhero movie of you know melding this summer blockbuster with cool action and great special effects and sci-fi and it's it's all this other stuff, but it's also very easy to uh, digest because it is a comedy and it, it is these characters that all have their own sort of quirks and they all have their own sort of personalities and uh, again all the little back and forth between all of them I just absolutely adored. 
and and so like what you, what's interesting here is you figure that out because even if you were to look at something I want to say like Blues Brothers or you want to look at something uh, like Stripe or eh, not Stripe so much but Animal House for sure right you have those big moments that are in those movies that are practical effects right Blues Brothers of course they drive through a mall they're, they they had the record at the time for the most amount of cars smashed during the thing right that was what they did and so that's what your eye got drawn to your eye gets drawn to Carrie Fisher with the M4 just like mowing you know shooting all the stuff down while the Blues Brothers are in the mud covered down Ghostbusters has all this crazy special effects in the backpack and stuff and then it's melded with the comedy of the time, which is a more understated comedy. That isn't what it is. And it does rely on watching them and listening to their performances and the little things in a way that I don't – I mean, definitely movies today don't do it, and I couldn't tell you when they lost doing it. But it's so crazy. One of the most important things I ever oh, heard right around in, in, too. Yeah, in, <laughs> in school was uh, – high school was from uh, my history teacher, Mr. Harper, who uh, one day revealed he was a big Ghostbusters fan too. And one of the things he said was, you know – I've watched it so many times that now I'll go through and I'll just watch actors. I'll just watch Bill Murray for a run. I'll just watch Love that. It. And when he said that, I started doing that. And to this day, I still find acting in the moment that isn't – and I'm not saying this is like cinema's dumb or something now. It's probably better for it. But acting in the moment that isn't beating you over the head with it. Where it is a comment where, you know, Ray says, don't worry, we do this all the time to the hotel manager, right? And Bill Murray double takes. You know what I mean? And there's the one, there's my, one of my favorite scenes is obviously one that you wouldn't bring up in a movie that I think is filled with great scenes, but it's when the Ghostbusters have just met, or they're not even the Ghostbusters yet, right? Our trio of uh, professors, uh, you know, scientists come back from the New York Public Library high on that and they walk in and all their shit's being wheeled out, right? And there's this great scene from Bill Murray talking to Dean Yeager, you know, uh, Pete Bankman talking to Bill Murray, or uh, Pete Bankman talking to Dean Yeager. And it, it, I trust you're moving us to better places on campus. You know, you're being moved off campus. That's preposterous. I demand to know why. And Dean Yeager lays it all out, like, just in such a cutting out of me, like, you know, your theories are the worst kind of popular trite. You are a poor scientist, Dr. Mankman. And Bill Murray just goes, I see. Like, and it's, like, such a flat read of, like, fuck, he's got my number. Yeah, <laughs> like, I have yeah. no response to this. But it's not, it's not, like, this bigger moment. It's not a punch-in. It's not – you're right. You know what I mean? Like, it's that thing. And so mm-hmm. I think that's where – the, sh- the movie shines through and becomes so much more. Even when, like, you know, uh, Walter Peck is talking to Vanquish uh, uh, for the first time in his office, right? And he's walking around asking all the questions, and you see Janine lean over her desk and just watch. Like, and it, again, it's not something that's played for, let's punch in, let's do this. It's, no. it's a thing that's happening in the background. And I'm not saying this makes it a better movie than something. I'm just saying, like, there's all these awesome, funny things yeah. that are happening, but not necessarily being shoved at your face like, hey, this is a comedy. And one example of that that I really appreciated was when they the, the bad guys are, like, trying to get them to release the ghost or whatever. And they're sure. just like, do it, do it, do it. And they're, like, all really close together, like a bunch of people in one room. And Rick Moranis is with them. And, like, yeah. this is when he was already kind of, like, possessed and taken over. Yeah. And if you just look at him in the background, like, he's like it's a little more game. exaggerated than, like, just the subtle yeah. thing. But, like, he just commits so hard to just constantly doing something funny that's yeah, not distracting from the dialogue going on right. that other characters have. Like, he's not the focus, and you're exactly right, Greg. It's like those moments that make this movie more special than how another comedy yeah, right. would, would shoot that. Like, there's, want- like there's the moment in the in the, in the the uh, elevator, right, where it's like, it just occurred to me we've never had a successful test of this stuff. And oh, yeah. Like, Why should we worry? Each of us are wearing an unlicensed Unlic- nuclear accelerator on our back, right? He goes, well... Why worry now? Power yeah. me up. And he switches it on, and it's that amazing sound the first time you hear it. <laughs> and Harold Ramis just subtly 
starts moving over to the left away from me. He's like, ah, <laughs> that's it. It just cuts. There's no need for another line. There's like no the, need for more dialogue. That's just it. Into like uh, being a product of its time stuff, right? And like maybe this is just performances and stuff, but like. I think it does cut back the other way, where it, it can be a bit, if you watch other people, I get taken out of it, where it's like, like a couple obviously, Dan Aykroyd. I love Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I God adore Dan Aykroyd. Thank you for making Ghostbusters right. do all that stuff, right? But, like, when he runs out of the library and does the, like, and, like, yeah. runs like that, when he comes down the pole and does and the, does the skip, so I think yeah. it's like, all right, yeah. I, I, it's so, like, one of the inspirations for Ghostbusters, right, is... Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Like he, he that, that that whole stuff of Abbott and Costello meets Dracula. All like these cro- comedy crossovers, right? Are uh, you can see Dan wrote this thinking of that, and I can see at certain points he's like, oh, he's trying to be like Abbott and Costello here. I'm like, that Not doesn't okay. fit your world right now in terms of what you're doing. But again, in the it, these are always for the most part played in wide, so it's not like you're. Getting a beat over your head. Yes, sir. And the, and the funny thing, because we talk about the subtlety of this, right? This could have easily gone the other way, because originally they wanted Belushi for this character, right? They wanted Belushi and Murphy. Uh, so it's supposed to be Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, and Murphy. And I think Dan Aykroyd and Belushi would have taken it more toward uh, a Blues Brothers over the top comedy? zany with physical comedy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, I think at the time, Eddie Murphy would have probably matched their energy. And so it's just some weird stars align that those two, those two people, obviously Jim Belushi, of course, couldn't couldn't be. John Belushi, excuse me. John right. Belushi passed away. Um, and then Eddie, of course, had gone on to other other things. I think he was doing like Beverly Hills Cop or something else this time. Um, but so when you put these characters on screen together and then having this sort of the audience member, which is Ernie Hudson coming in so they can explain sort of some of the more complex ideas to you, it just it just, it just just works. The chemistry is just there. Andy, are you ready? All right, this one's a little bit longer, everybody, so prepare. Ready? He's going to be your dad when that baby comes loose. What is his name? Greg Miller. He's going to save the plot. He'll drink recap juice. What is his name? Greg Miller. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ghostbusters 1984. I nailed, I nailed it, right, Andy? I did. Yeah, That's what you got. That was fantastic. Round of applause for Andy Cortez, everybody. <laughs> you kidding me right here? Uh, we start, of course, with the gorgeous Columbia Pictures logo. Somebody you know who watched this movie a lot <laughs> as a kid, right? Like, that is such an ingrained image of me. Of the in the soundtrack, of course, wow. from the, yeah. you know, right Burn, one of the coolest things I ever did uh, in terms of Ghostbuster fandom uh, of just being able to consume it was go to uh, see the SF Symphony play the soundtrack while Ghostbusters played. Cool. So Ghostbusters cool. played and they played live the thing. And it's just so fucking good. Uh, but now, of course, this, this part I want to say real quick. And this is like such a Tim thing to say. Stop, but you know how you stop me anytime you want on this one. Obviously, I could go forever. Uh, what Andy was saying earlier about like the Family Guy pop culture stuff, where it's like you know we. we kind of know stuff even if we weren't part of it because sure. pop culture has referenced it so much. The Ghostbusters theme song, obviously, is as iconic as you can get. I've heard it a bazillion times in my life. I've not heard this version that many times. It must be like the Ghostbusters 2 or something. There's like another version that sounds more full. And so this one just kind of like comes off as like a little not as like impactful for me. Where it hit, I'm like, huh. Hmm. Right, the right, the one or this song in the beginning? The bass hits weren't there, Tim. I kind of feel it. I yeah, feel it. Not it, doesn't, 
It doesn't start with the Ghostbusters theme, right? It starts with okay, that, I, like, weird... I'm talking about the Ghostbusters theme. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's, we don't get that here. Yeah, this, You'll this, get this, it when the title card happens. Yes, that, that's what I was referring to. But sure. I, just, I okay. thought it was kind of weird. I was like, oh, man, it's, just, it's not here. They don't know right. what they had yet. They didn't know what they had. You know what I mean? Like, you don't... I don't... There's no way to know that. They knew from screeners it was big, but how do you, like, restructure your movie around that? Greg, right. I'll tell you where the Ghostbusters theme hits real hard. It's in the Ghostbusters party mode we did. It's real hard to watch at youtube.com slash kind of funny games. What a great party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so we're at the New York Public Library. Everybody coming in on those big stone statue lions out front, of course. So iconic to me. I freaking nerded out back in the day to go there. And I my full Ghostbuster outfit for IGN. Such a great time. And we get Alice the Librarian going through doing her business in the big old reading room. Going through. And then she goes down into the archives zone and starts moving around. And she goes down some of the stacks. Some books start going behind her. Eventually she keeps going. And she's, she, you know, she's like, something sounds weird. Something feels weird around here. That's weird. Uh, and then uh, she goes by the library cards, and they start shooting out, or the you know the Dewey Decimal System. Thank God that thing is dead. They're shooting out. Yeah, Nick. I'll buy anyone a Starbucks if you can tell me what other movie this woman was in. That is, a I know. Movie. I think I know. Andy Cortez. Is she laces out? Laces Dan? out, Dan. Knew it. Laces out. Wow, Knew it. she is. Ace Ventura. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, just want to say real quick, like this is why I love this movie, right? This perfectly sets the tone. It's scary. This is not. They were having – it's the happy-go-lucky, zany, have fun, which is I'm so glad they never didn't start with the theme. They start with very ominous music and a shot of the lion with birds leaving it. It's, a, it's, it's an upshot. It's creepy. All the imagery here, all the way this is shot, it's, it totally played straight, totally played for the horror aspects of this movie. Uh, so the cars go out, go, and that's when she's like, shit, this is fucking popping off. I got to get out of here. Uh, she takes off running, gets confused in the sex. <laughs> I mean, it's in the moment. She doesn't know what's going on. She's, ah, ah. And eventually, rounds the corner, we get the, we don't see the ghost. We see the light, the fan, the purple light, light and that's where she screams. And that's when we fade into the Ghostbusters logo. Uh, Broken in half, which always drove me fucking me. crazy. This scared you. Oh, the, uh, just, just the, late, the library. Just the librarian Alice getting scared scared you. It set a weird tone. Again, I was young, though. You know? Yeah. Really young. No, I understand. No, I hear you. Don't worry. I can understand all that. It's, Kevin, it's kind of like going to Haunted Mansion. You know, like it's... You can go and enjoy it's, it's it. It's not scary, and then you get on the thing, and you're but like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know that a, I should be here. Even and as then a 31-year-old, I'm there, and Kevin. And I'm like, sitting next to you, and you're like... Ah. I'm I'm brave right now. I'm brave, but I'm not. Big time brave, but not that brave. I understand. We've all been there. Um, like I said, Ghostbusters logo comes up. We get the song for the first time. It's split into two words, which I drove me you crazy. Never noticed that. Drove me fucking crazy. That's crazy. Still does this day. Also, it's a very, you know, older design of the No Ghost logo. Obviously, Maybe. long before that was, like, think so they, fucking everyone. And they did that because they originally weren't going to call it Ghostbusters, and they were like, we're, we're hedging our bets here, and then we're just going to do the ghost first, and then well, the next word later. Possible. I remember, of course, yeah, it wasn't, it, it was going to be originally called Ghostbusters, but there was the legal battle over the Funimation, the Ghostbusters thing, where they had to get a thing for that. So they did a, a whole bunch of alternate takes of everything where they call them Ghost Chasers, the Ghost Chasers. Rakers, wasn't it? Eventually, yeah. Well, there was a, several, but Ghost Chasers was Ghost Chasers. That's that was terrible. I'm glad they didn't go yeah, they, and Ghost if you ever If you ever get a chance, watch the, um, the, the, that series on Netflix, Netflix. called The Movie That Made movie Us. Movie That Made Us. Because yeah. the guy... The way they ended up getting the Ghostbusters title back and actually getting legal use for that is the crazy – I mean, you want to talk about Kismet? You want to talk about the stars aligning for this movie to be what it was? That's a perfect example of it. I heard it's because they were in the music uh, booth, and they were like, Chasing makes me feel good. Like, no, nah, that doesn't no, work. work. <laughs> they came back on it like, just say busting, because, like, busting makes me feel good could never be interpreted in any other way. And then, like, Ray Parker Jr. is like, you know what? I am. I will say that. And, <laughs> well, hey, don't mention that we're ripping off Huey Lewis in the news. And they were yeah, like, what? Like, no, don't worry, just go. 
Uh, remember, there was a lawsuit about that. It was a big deal. Uh, anyways, uh, so now we're at Columbia University where we uh, go over to the Department of Psychology or Parapsychology where we see it's, uh, you know, Venkman, Stance, and Egon Spengler on the door. And, of course, Venkman, Burn in Hell written in paint on the thing. We so go one, of the, one of the facts that I saw was that uh, there was a lot of, like, sexually explicit things written on, a, on the, his office door. And uh, they were like, we want this to be a little more family friendly. So then they changed it to the burning hell or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we come inside and uh, Pete Venkman, Doctor Pete Venkman, is uh, doing an experiment here uh, about the effects of negative reinforcement on ESP. Uh, so he's quizzing a guy and a girl on the cards he's holding up, and they get electric shocks when they get it wrong. And this girl is just knocking it out of the park, getting everyone right. And it turns out she's not getting any of them right, of <laughs> course. Right. But Pete Venkman, of course, is kind of a creeper. <laughs> and yeah, it's twenty one lens of watching. Pete Venkman, you're like, huh, if this wasn't Bill Murray, like, the most famed comedic actor of the time, and even now, like, not being charming Bill Murray, right? It's everything he does in this movie, like, he's oh. literally torturing a guy just yeah. so he can get, to take this girl out. Like, this guy got a couple of them right, which is the sad Well, yeah, and when he gets it right, he still shocks them. Yeah, still shocks them. Really but I do, I do want to point out, though, I, I have a special place in uh, in, the, in my heart for this actress because she was on Charles in Charge. She played the Gwendolyn Pierce she on Charles in Charge for a long time. And so I, that's where I knew her from. So seeing her in Ghostbusters, I was like, she made Wait a minute. Actors can be in different, like they can be on TV and in movies. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you want to, I mean, you, again, back to, you know, little Greggy watching this movie and being obsessed with it. Like my parents, my mom having to explain to me when we'd watch another Bill Murray movie or whatever, Dan Aykroyd of like, it's not, you know, these, these are actors and this yeah. isn't him. And I was like, okay, I got it. But I like, yeah, anybody who was in Ghostbusters obviously got, got passed. They were fucking awesome. I, I will say shout out to Bill Murray. Cause I think that there's something about just him as an actor and his comedic chops and just how, you know, charming he can be or whatever is like, dude's got one of the ugliest head of hairs ever, and it oh, just terrible. doesn't matter. Sure, like, doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. He's bad. He's got the pop marked like skin too. Like he's like not. He's not a traditional. This is the eighties, man. You could look like that and be a movie star. It's true. Yeah, and no, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. But Maybe I think you shave like, your teeth down, slam some veneers in there. I think there are some actors that we would. Ass. There are definitely some yeah, actors yeah. that we would point out like. Oh yeah, that dude like he lost his hair and whatever, whatever, or like whatever, like something about their physical appearance you can always kind of pinpoint or whatever as to make it seem like a negative or whatever. I've said the word whatever so many times. I'm sorry, whatever. but Bill Murray is just—it just doesn't matter what he's just so cool and great and keep doing what you're doing, Bill Murray. I hope to see you in many more movies in the future. But before we get back to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Uncommon Goods. If you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this season, it's never too early to start looking. No matter who you're shopping for, Uncommon Goods is the place to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Some of the cool things I got recently were the, there's the baseball park map pint glasses that I got for one of my good friends, James Burke. He doesn't know it's coming yet. He is going to absolutely love the local park one. Uh, and also, Gia got this puzzle that is really cool. Puzzles are always a fun thing, right? Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality unique and often handmade they have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere and with every purchase you make uncommon goods gives one dollar back to a non-profit partner of your choice so make your holiday season stress-free check out their selection of thousands of items to get 15 percent off your next gift go to uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny that's uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny for 15 percent off don't miss out on this limited time offer u-n-c-o-m-m-o-n-g-o-o-d-s dot com slash kinda funny. 
We're all out of the ordinary. Uh, next up, shout out to me, Undies. Are you afraid of the glow in the dark? Well, shield your eyes because the new MeUndies Halloween just dropped dead. If there's one question you don't want a ghost, it's this one. I always love um, Yendi's. I always love their theme collections, and I especially love when they get fun, like with the Halloween ones. We're glowing in the dark, baby. Yendi's are made from natural fibers sourced from beechwood trees, making their micro-modal fabric soft, breathable, and dangerously cozy. And I can attest to all of that. Of course, even right now, wearing my Yendi shirt, my lounge pants, my undies, and socks, I love the micro-modal fabric all over my body. It is so soft, and I love being a big, soft boy. You can get your spooky season up and haunting with five new prints, I See You, My Boo, Tricks and Treats, Lazy Bones, and Lazy Pumpkin. MeUndies has a great offer for you first-time purchasers out there. You can get 15% off and free shipping. To get 50% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash morning. That's MeUndies.com slash morning. And finally, shout out to HelloFresh. Spooky season is also extra busy season. But one thing you can take off your plate is meal planning and grocery shopping. Because HelloFresh is here to keep you stocked and chopped. They deliver pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering recipes directly to you. We're talking fresh, going from the farm to your door within a week. So you get the convenience without the sacrifice in quality. HelloFresh offers fantastic variety with over 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, so it works great for Paula and Kevin. Calorie smart and even gourmet options. And we're bringing out all the fall options too, like one pot broccoli mac and cheese to make weeknight meals super easy. That sounds fantastic, and I really, really hope that I get to try that one. Cool Greg's been using HelloFresh. Blessing's been using HelloFresh. Kind of funny is a HelloFresh family. Go to HelloFresh.com slash morning14 and use code morning14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's up to 14 free meals, including free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash Morning14. Use code Morning14. Okay, so, uh, you know, as we already covered all the stuff, you, you've seen the movie, you know what's happening. He's clearly just using this to hit on this girl, <laughs> Jennifer. Uh, so, he, and he, you know, uses the whole thing of after that, you can keep the five bucks, I've had it. I will, mister. Uh, that guy runs off, you know, Bill goes, this, you should get used to it, Jennifer. That's the kind of thing your skill's going to bring out people. But yeah. even that joke, He's giving this guy electric shock therapy. He's shocking the you shit out of You volunteered for this, aren't you? We're paying for you. Five dollars. That's that. That That's always got me. Was like, I was like, oh my god, it's, it's for five bucks That's to go through eighty questions to get eighty shots, right? right? Seventy more cards yeah. to go. Which is also the funny thing. The more you want to drill into the joke about it, right? Of like, you know, he's shocking him over and over again, even leading up to when he gets it right while we're watching. But also, it means that like this hasn't been going on for hours. Like Pete Bankman didn't just be like, man, this guy's pissed me off in the middle of this. Yeah. From the start, he's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> no reason, no reason. I'm going to just sort of hop in with a sort of an aside here. I was about to go uh, to the restroom really, really quick, and I pulled out my headphone. My ear, my headbud, earbud, had a little bit of a panicky moment because the earbud stayed in my ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I popped it out of the right side, <laughs> Kevin, there. and I've it just stayed before. in there. Had my heart kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's oh, there yeah. forever now. Oh, yeah. but, uh, I'll be right back. Yeah, I, what I've done before is I get my Leatherman, pull them out, get the little pliers, get in there. Real easy. Real easy. And I got them in there deep, Greg. 
Dean. <laughs> I believe you, Captain. I believe you. you got those, I've known for a long time about your deep ear canal. That's a well-known kind of thing. We talk about it, actually. Canals in the room. We talk about how much... Anyways, Ray Stance runs in. This is it. This is it. Runs in and uh, tells Pete he needs the tape. He needs the, ta- the tape recorder, the tape you erased last week. You know, where you, uh, Pete jumps up, does the slap in the back of the head. Jennifer doesn't see it. I'm right in the middle of something, Ray. Uh, and it, it, Ray lays it out that this is this is it, man. Uh, libra- librarian at the New York Public Library there's been a ghost sighting. This is the one who knocked the socks off some poor librarian. We got to get down there right away. Uh, you know, Egon's already there. Uh, Spangler's already there and buried the needle on what is going on. And he's like, you go down there. You get right back to me. He's like, no, no, I need you to go down there. Go down there. Get right back to me. Get right back to me. Uh, and so, you know, Pete says goodbye to Jennifer, does the line uh, Nick referenced earlier. Eight o'clock? I was just going to say. Like, eight o'clock? You see each other. It's like eight o'clock? I was yeah. just going to say. Eight o'clock? <laughs> Such a bullshit artist. It's so uh, then it's, you know, we're back in the New York Public Library, uh, Pete and Ray walking in. I'm trying not to do every line, but I love the delivery of the only line. line. <laughs> this is going like, four hours, people. As a friend, I got to tell you, you've finally gone around to the bend on this ghost bus, this ghost business. You, you've been meeting and greeting every schizo in the five boroughs. <laughs> of course, Pete, you forget that I was there for an unexplained sponge migration. And then you go down there doing his thing, and he slams the book, and he does the, you go on. There are so many lines like that in this movie that I just can imagine you and Nick having a moment over because you're just kind of repeating a random line from a movie you both love. Yeah. And yeah, that moment of they, what do they say? They migrated about it there for unexplained migration. It's such a great line. Also, you know, shout out to my mom here because, again, like what we're talking about, this movie not designed for kids. And I had learned early not to yell bastard because uh, Back to the Future, when I yelled bastard, it got in mm-hmm. trouble. So, every, like, there'd be, like, when I wanted to say mother puss bucket, like, run into the kitchen and be like, Mom, am I allowed to say mother puss bucket? And she's like, Yes. You can say, All right, thank you. Run back. You know what I mean? Like, all this shit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the three Ghostbusters here are established. They're walking through the thing. Uh, this is another great line. Was, you know, Egon, this reti- reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. <laughs> that would have worked. That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. <laughs> uh, then we get in there. They start That's like a Kevin moment. We're like, we oh, totally. stopped Kevin from drilling a hole. Totally. Like, that totally. Worked if you hadn't stopped me. <laughs> Uh, we get into the back room, uh, right? You know, Alice is there. I can't remember if it's legs, but definitely his arms because he reached out. Oh, I can't wait to get this. Look at this thing. Uh, you know, Ray's filming. They're going around. They're getting advances. Pete starts asking questions about, you know, are you habitually using drugs? There was the one before of, like, any mental illness. My uncle thought he was St. Jerome. Oh, God. I'd call that a big yes. I'd call that a big yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd call it, that a big yes. And then again, like, I, I, you want to talk about, like, how this movie, you know, obviously went a different direction than I think anybody would have thought it was, right? You know, are you Alice menstruating right now? What has that got to do? with anything back off now i'm a scientist i remember as a whatever four-year-old five-year-old having my ghostbusters belt that was like mass produced this isn't like a custom job i you know my mom bought it at kmart or whatever that said on it back off man i'm a scientist I love that. Like, the line before it are you on your period yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> what you know the most, most dismissive this creating thing you could you could talk you say to a woman if she's claiming that's something happened right yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so then from there, you know, uh, Egon busts back in. It's moving. He's got the PKE. Uh, he's going through. They all run down into the lo- the stacks where we had seen it before. Uh, you know, uh, more great stuff with Bill Murray doing like this when, you know, he's making fun of Ray. Uh, they run into the books being stacked up. He's like, uh, just like the mass disturbance of whatever the year is. I don't have that one down. I'm sorry. Like, you're right. And right. then, yeah, no you're human right. being would stack books like that. <laughs> <laughs> that and one, then we get the other yeah. banger in this. And I always feel bad, Greg, because... I feel like the Dan Aykroyd's line is overshadowed by what Bill Murray just said. Yeah. But he goes, quiet. You smell that? (laughs) 
<laughs> listen, listen. Do you smell it? You smell that? And, and, Pete, and again, Bill Murray does the, like, what? And then he what? does the... He starts sniffing, trying to do what it is. They come around the corner. It's the cards. They're, they have ectoplasm all over it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Egon, very excited, gives the little Petri dish to Vankman, asks him to go do, to get it. Somebody blows your nose and you want to keep it. I want to analyze it. Uh, he starts scraping it off, you know, half-assing it as uh, Vankman would do. And then he gets it on his hand. He starts doing this shit, oh, gets it on his eyes. Get, then he wipes his hand on the books. Does it. This is, again, I remember in the, in the commentary how this is all obviously improv of how can you plan to get it on your eyes, on your feet, or whatever on you. So he does all that and gets it. Comes around the corner. Egon, your mucus. Uh, bookshelf falls down behind them. And this is the first time that Ray, uh, Pete is like, wait a second. Maybe this is more than that. And turns to Ray. He's like, this ever happened to you before? And Ray just the first time. He shakes his head yes, right? Uh, they start following the PKE. They start going around. And they sure as shit. Egon turns uh, you know, down into turns the corner. And there it is. The gray lady herself. Uh, the ghost uh, that we all know is purple. Eventually would be given a name, of course, in Ghostbusters, the video game, Eleanor Twitty. I'm sure you all remember. I'm sure you Twitty, again, of course. This first image, right? Scary. Not, yeah, it is. Not like, oh, light, like they could have redesigned her to be more cartoony, which you're going to see later in, like, in, in Ghostbusters 2. But in this one, it's like, this is a fully formed, like, large shit. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. Now, and, even, and, even, like, and, it's, and it's also terrifying because she's beautiful. And so you're like, uh, that's creepy because some shit's going to fucking happen here right now. Now, she could have, they could have gone the gory route and made it look like the zombie cabbie guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this scene just very reminiscent to me of the sixth sense of just kind of him looking around the corner and just being like a dead person kind of standing there. Like, yeah. it's, it's off putting that, that's you know? the form yeah. that it's in. And then when she jumps out and freaks him out, Greg, yeah. uh, I was about to fucking call you out and be like, hey, you, you said this wasn't scary. <laughs> I'm glad you stuck it out though, you know what I mean? And when when I was a kid, this is the moment where I was like, fucking hey, all right, I, I have to be. Because, like, earlier, like I said, I already was like, mm-mm. Kind of not feeling it. This seems like this is not for me. This is a little scary. And then now it's like, all right, cool. All right. We're I, don't in know, this, shit. I thought this was a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was one of the most culturally empowering comedies of all time. Uh, a whole bunch of great stuff happens here, I feel. Uh, you know what I mean? Where it's like they're all excited to finally see a ghost. And Pete's like, so what do we do? And Egon and Ray look at each other, and then he grabs Ray by the ear and pulls him over. Francie, I'll call you for a second. Yeah. Uh, and the, he's like, one of us, they, they're like, one of us should try to make contact, one of us should talk to you. And they both look at uh, Pete Bank. Oh, I, I missed the thing where Egon crunches numbers on his little couch. Stop, Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> goes out there, he does the, the, you know, Pete does the only thing he knows, which is try to pick up a chick, right, of like, where are you from, originally? Originally. <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter. All right, the usual stuff's not working, and Ray's like, all right, I got it, I know just what to do, and he comes around, and, all right, one, two, three, get her! Boah! Comes up, they get chased out, this is the overactive part of it, or whatever. Right. But at least to another great scene, I think, of them, you know, Pete and uh, Ray walking and talking and being friends in this thing, right? Yeah. Get her! That was your big plan. That was your big plan. I'm overexcited. That's like Ray, man. Scientific. You know, I, I feel like, uh, uh, he's the one of the Ghostbusters that I feel like, well, I guess Ernie as well. But, uh, you know, you hear about Egon. You obviously hear about Bill Murray. But I'm, Ray is the homie. I, I, yeah, I think yeah, totally. he's, he's like he's my favorite. Ball, right? Yeah, I and love you it. See that, you see that in the scene, too, when they go into business and he's like, and Peter's like, this place is terrible. And, Her- and Harold Ramis is like, they're each, they're each exhibiting what their character's for, right? Pete's the, the, the uh, skeptic. He's an asshole. He doesn't really, like, he's just trying to be opportunistic and capitalize off of this. Harold Ramis is the scientist. He's the one that's just nuts and bolts, ones and zeros. And then you see, like, this is Paul working? This is amazing. We should sleep here tonight. Like, he's Dan 
Hackworth character is the heart of it. And that's why I love they all in this movie. And you're when watch these characters how they evolve into the second movie. Because the only one really allowed to do the last or to have the joke and wink to the audience is Bill Murray. Everyone else is playing it straight. They're in character the whole time, and that's why it works, with the rare exception of Dan Aykroyd going a little too zany with some of the movements. Yeah, yeah, but even that, that's not that much. Can't wait to talk about that. That was fucking weird. The what's with that? Oh, blow yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to that. I, sure. I love that part. <laughs> again. But I just have to point out, one of the things I always notice about this is how deadpan Harold Ramis is every single time. Sure. Like, there is one look he gives when they're closing the doors to the ballroom where he kind of winks at the guy, and that's, like, the only time he breaks his own, like, Harold Ramis breaks his own. Sure, that veneer, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the walk here, right? Of like, I got so excited about the walk. Uh, Egon runs up. He's been running numbers behind them. He's like, I do think that, you know, based on these new numbers, there's a great chance that we can actually catch a ghost and contain it indefinitely. And this is, you know, Egon, I'm going to take back some of the things I've said about it. You, you, you've earned it. it. Gives him an SD crunch bar. <laughs> so degrading. And it's like, and then Dan Aykroyd smiles. Dan Aykroyd's like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you got him. That's a funny one. Uh, and this is where we get then go back to Columbia University where Dean Yeager is having everybody removed. You are a poor scientist, Dr. Bankman. <laughs> I see. Uh, this is then the conversation out there uh, that has the bottle of, that, of booze that looks like the oh, cold brew I had the other day that I was mm-hmm. talking about, where uh, it's uh, Pete know. and Ray going back and forth about it, about what to do and what they're going to do now. You, you've, you've never been out of college. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. <laughs> <laughs> and then the stirring speech from Bill Murray, right, or Bankman, of like, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe we are destined to get kicked out of this dump. Why? Yeah. To go into business for ourselves. And then he's like, this is going to be a lot of money. Where are we going to get it? I don't know, Ray. I don't know. Have you taken a swig, a massive swig of it? Getting that wind. You know what I mean? Uh, Then we come out of Manhattan Bank. You're never going to regret this, Ray, which is when I finally peer pressured Poe into buying his own PS2. We left EB, and that's what I said as I opened the door for him. Is them walking on and going over it. Like, you, you, it, 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 my parents left me that out. I was born there. Don't worry about it. Everybody has three mortgages nowadays. <laughs> 19% you'd even bargain with the guy. 19% the yeah, interest rate for the third mortgage. Thing, right? uh, but again, it's the franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams because, of course, Bankman does. Oh, I, there's a great line from Dean Yeager again. Like You're talking about Nick that sets up these characters, right, where he's like, you know, we think science, Dean Yeager says, we think science is for the betterment of mankind. You seem, seem to think of science as a dodge or hustle, right? Mm-hmm. And immediately on this thing, it's a dodge or a hustle, dodge right? Like, we'll hustle, make, we'll right. franchise this Repeat. indispensable disposal extermination unit we're going to make here. Like, that's what I'm really doing this for. Not for the science part of it at all. Uh, from there, we uh, meet one of my favorite characters in Ghostbusters, the firehouse. Uh, we, of course, are getting a walkthrough with the realtor, like you're saying. Where, and this is, again, exactly what you just talked about, Nick, right? Where it's just pricey for a unique fixer-upper from Bankman. What do you think, Egon? Uh, the neighborhood's like, you know, the power doesn't work. There's serious metal fatigue in all the load-bearing structures. And the neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone. <laughs> yeah. So they're all done with it. But, of course, Ray, who has now taken out this huge mortgage. Does this pole still work? Slides down, loves it. For me, personally, and I, you know, Obviously, at the end of the movie, he goes, Ray Stanis, Dr. Ray Stanis, ladies and gentlemen, the heart and soul of Ghostbusters. Uh, like, it is so true, and you can see it in this moment. And for me personally, when we, I talk about kind of funny, that's Kevin. Right, oh, 100%. Like, the excitement, this is Kevin. and I want to be a part of it, and let's do it. And what crazy thing are we going to do? And I love you for it, Kevin. You'll always be my Ray. Let's sleep over here. Let's have, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's try it out. Tonight, you know. Uh, and, and again, back to the, you know, the, the, 
the slow, not even the slow play, but like, you know, the thing here of like where there's then the beat of Ray going upstairs. Uh, Vinkman looks over at Egon and Egon just has like the slowest no head shake of all time. And he turns no. back to, I think, I think we'll take it. And Egon's like just feet at it, right? Well, because the, the, the subtlety of that scene too is great because he, Pete's obviously trying to get a lower, better deal on this, right? If they're going to take this play, I always read it as like, yeah. they're negotiating and then Dan Aykroyd comes in and it just totally blows it out of the water. Like, yeah, fuck, yeah. any negotiating shit we had is now gone. We have no more leverage. And that's and why that's like, the, real, with it, right? the realtor is like, hell yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah the realtor yeah. plays it great. I forgot that yeah. actress's name, but she's like, mm, yeah, I got you, motherfuckers. He loves yeah. this. Uh, from there we go to well, the I was going to ask, Greg, how does this translate to the 2016 Ghostbusters? Would... Would she? Would that be like the uh, Melissa McCarthy character that you're comparing me to? In. There, we don't need to bring that. Future spoilers. Oh, we're going to be in a good place today, Kevin. I thought you wanted to have a lot of fun here. <laughs> no future spoilers. No future spoilers. Oh, so you're we right. Get you're right. Yeah, you want to know? Wait. Can't wait. I, as you know, I don't follow, and this is this is going to sound like an insult. I swear it's not. I don't follow the Tim Get, uh, Getty's method here, right? Of like, oh, I want to watch all these things, and uh, I want every movie in 4K. I want it all to be the best thing. Yada yada yada. Last night when I I opened up my and blew all the dust off my physical media, I grabbed the Ghostbusters Blu-ray and put it in, and I was like, wait, they've done 4Ks of these. Ordered the 4K Blu-ray for Ghostbusters Ghostbusters 2, and like the fucking shake head shake I did as I bought Ghostbusters 2016 on 4K. I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> god damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I might as well have it. It exposes the matte paintings hard. Oh, dude, well, I mean, like, what it another is. thing, if you, and that's Blu-ray in general, and that's honestly just looking at the movie. I I think, again, so much is happening in a product time, yada, yada, but like, the, I was about to say, the next place we go to is the next building, right? Dana Barris apartment, Central Park West, Spook Central, and the introduction of that thing is the wide shot, clearly a matte painting and then they go up and do the shot overhead of one of the terror dog gargoyles yeah. right and if you watch you can see the cab drive through it yeah because it's just it. a, you know, a matte painting over it, the thing that they but put so, it in later so on the whole thing like rocks when uh, state buffs coming out for the right reasons yeah that's that's important to note right when you when you go back and watch any of the documentary and stuff on this they were getting these they had so many shots they had to do yeah. that the the effects house which i don't think was ilm i think it was um whatever the competitor was at the time right the guys that left ilm and then like had formed another house. Doesn't matter. Um, Weta? I think it, no, it wasn't Weta. It was they're they're defunct now. I don't think. I think it was a bunch of island guys left, decided to do their own thing, and this was like one of the first jobs they had. I could be getting that wrong. But anyway, they talked about how they were like, we would send them shots for review and get no feedback. And then those shots, like they would, some of these shots were like, hey, this is our first pass of this. What Let do you think? think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And write and put it in the movie because they were moving at such a fast clip. They had to hit that date to get the movie out. So the State Puff shot is one of the ones they talk about where he's like, that was a temp shot. The guy was like, that was not, we were not done with that shot. Uh, but they just put it in. That's why you can see a lot, some of the map painting just doesn't work. It doesn't sure. Yeah, they yeah. need another hack at it. And they all I got, I got the, the, the fact for you. Uh, the fact? I got, I got the answer to your question here. So during the film's 13-month production, all the major special effects studios working on other films, the largest, ILM, had been booked for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Return of the Jedi. The remaining studios were too small to work on the approximately 630 individual effects needed for Ghostbusters. At the same time, special effects cinematographer Richard Edlund planned to leave ILM and start his own business. Reitman convinced Columbia to collaborate with MGM, which also needed an effects studio, to advance money to him to start his own company, Boss Film Studios. Uh, awesome. Just the necessary equipment. So yeah, and they did go. they did quite a few movies in the eighties, I think, before I think before going out of business or, or being sold off to ILM. But yeah, 
it's cool. It's, it's definitely interesting. And like they did the the I mean, even like there's there's the famous concept I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to Slimer, but how they were like you know as an homage to to John Belushi, they were like let's make him look like that. And the guy, but they in the interview, the guy in the documentary, and he was like, they told me that the night before I was supposed to present this thing that I had been working on for like three weeks. And so he goes, when they showed up, I just told them I did it. And they were like, he looks great. <laughs> but he looks nothing like him. Uh, so, yeah, that's all awesome and true. Uh, so now back to the plot. Uh, we show up at Dana Barrett's apartment. She gets out of a cab with some groceries. Jay walks because she's uh, like, a New Yorker. I, I'm sorry. I know we're going very long. Stop. Okay. You think I'm mad about going long on Ghostbusters? They, you think that's my problem right now? They got Sigourney Weaver to be in this movie. Was that a big deal then, though? Yeah, because she was huge from Alien. Right, that was really big. I think, yeah, but she, she really wanted to do it, like to get it, like you know. What I mean, like remember she? There's the whole thing of her barking and acting like a dog or whatever, and the audition yeah. and stuff. And like, I remember I was like, this person's crazy. We need her. <laughs> like, Wait, but she was a pretty she serious barked? actor. I mean, she she hadn't done like silly shit. I don't think she'd done a comedy to this point. And so, like, the fact that they got her in was just such an inspired choice. Set her up perfectly for Galaxy Quest. Because when did Aliens come out? I think that came out before this, right? What a good movie, Andy. What a great Girl, right? movie. What's the Oh, that was 86. That was two years later. But Alien oh. was... Wow, Alien, my time 83? was... 83? Alien, Alien was 79. Alien was Yeah, that was way off on that Jesus. one. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, she got her groceries. She's going upstairs. the stairs. But this is where we get introduced to Louis Tully across the way from her. Of course, he's got a crush on her. Uh, she clearly wants nothing to do with him. Uh, he's, you know, in his, his velvet, velvet tracksuit or whatever it is. It, it's dope, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at tracksuit. Kevin. And again, the whole thing of, like, he's always scheming on something, right? He's always scheming on something. He's, he takes a 20-minute workout plays it back at double speed to, or half speed or tub, double speed so he gets a 10-minute workout. Does a great workout. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, he, uh, you know, annoys Dana all the way to her apartment before saying, of course, you know, like, oh, yeah, and it reminds me, you shouldn't leave your TV on so loud when you go out. You know, the creep down the hall phoned the manager. So I I, try, I tried to crawl out on the ledge and get in to do it, and I couldn't, so I just turned it up so people think, thanks, Lewis, and the door just slams in his face, and the, the doctor goes up and comes down. And all right, I'm going to take a shower. Yeah, I'm going to have a shower. I'm going to have a shower. All of this dialogue is just fantastic. And another, it, it, it comes another, across I'm, as sorry. such a natural sort of thing for somebody that weird and quirky to say. <laughs> And another understated joke that I I it, it, it disturbed me a long time before I was somebody pointed it out somewhere right of like he's the key master but every scene he gets locked out of his apartment out of his apartment I never put that together that's so funny uh, Dana goes in the TV's playing an ad from the Ghostbusters of Wait. course not them in their usual uniforms yeah go ahead that that is hilarious and like it's genius to the level of like how do you think of that and like make that a running like I don't understand how running gags like that get made and then like. You know, Dan Aykroyd, like, how are they not talking about that for the rest of their lives? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just what it was, though, I think, back then, right? You, like, they give these characters and they make a choice, and that's uh, cool. That's a funny thing, and they just go on because they want, I guess, want the layers like that or whatever. Uh, like I said, the uh, Ghostbusters ad is playing there. It's them in their little blue uh, coats or whatever with all their dumb equipment, and we're ready to believe you. Uh, Dana turns it off. Uh, and then, you know, like, takes a load off in her apartment there for a second, goes into the kitchen eventually, puts down her groceries, uh, then goes to put some stuff away after putting down me. the eggs and, of course, eggs. Safe Off Marshmallows. Again, like, another movie I think would have driven it home so many more times of, like, the Safe Off Marshmallow Man is a thing in this universe, right? right. Like, this is a oh, thing Lord. because there's, like, the marshmallows there with him on the bag, and then at one point there's, like, a brick billboard of him. 
Like, that's it. That's like, you're supposed to extrapolate in the theater on your first viewing that this is a thing that is, is when the US doesn't matter. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that must be a brand that we just don't have in Southern California. Sure. I was not sure. 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 Was it not a brand? This wasn't a thing? No, oh, not. shit. Get the fuck out. Yeah, I'm with Dick where I just, I just assumed it was something I didn't know, but I thought no, it was we never had marshmallows. I thought it was a real brand, yeah. The funniest thing that Gia, who enjoyed this movie way more than I expected her to, it was this scene that she asked her first question of just like, she's like, I don't believe this woman would be buying marshmallows. <laughs> like, right? 100%. Weird, yeah. weird fucking thing. But also, when you look at her spread of what she has, it's like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> It's such a, it's such the movie bag of groceries with the celery yeah. box coming up the top. So like, here's how I rationalize that: if you live alone and you're single and you're in New York, you got maybe you have that one vice, right? For some people, it's Oreo cookies. For me, it's like you know, uh, goldfish crackers. Maybe she just really likes housing marshmallows at the end of the night. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you want, uh, trust me, as somebody who's overanalyzed this movie so many fucking times, I can give you two different takes on it. Would you like why? I think there's more questions to be asked about that, or, you know what, I'll just do both ones. Number one, Dana Barrett's bedroom, right? On both of her bedside tables, she has photos of children. And yeah, I'm like, that, so are those like your nieces? That. So maybe maybe she bought the marshmallows, I've always thought, because her nieces were going to come over eventually. Maybe, maybe she yeah. sees them. Now to go the, the more negative route with it, of course, when Bankman opens her ginormous refrigerator, and it's stocked with leftovers and Coca-Colas, and then this unopened thing of bologna or whatever, it's also like, is Dana eating this? Is this why she got so much weird ass food in there? Well, the, well the, you know, but the, but not to dig too deep into this though. What is the use of the big marshmallow in an apartment that size? Because the big marshmallow is for s'mores, s'mores, right? The yeah, small no. marshmallows are for hot you, cocoa, which you can uh, yeah. traditionally put. Like you make hot cocoa. I get it. Your niece and nephew's coming over. We're gonna make hot cocoa. We're gonna put some marshmallows on top of the, the small marshmallows. You can't no, put I, a big marshmallow on top you of. You can. Them. Nick, you ever been depressed? Nick, you ever been depressed? You just fucking. It doesn't no, matter I, what the what the size of a thing is. You're just sticking that shit in your mouth because you're like, I gotta eat my feelings. Like, but. Can yeah. I tell you what else bothered me about this scene, though? When she you. opens up the fridge. There's two different styles of Coca-Cola can in there, and it but always like, bothered me. I'm like, no, what did you get these at two different times? No, you're wrong. Don't you remember? I know you're talking about the Coke logo, right? Yeah. Yeah, remember the cans used to have Coke on um, two – the cans had two different Coke logos on the Oh, I didn't remember that. I didn't know that. Yeah, this one used to drive me crazy of, like, people being like, oh, Cinema Sins. Here's a, here's a fucked up scene when her and Venkman are talking. Yeah. Because there's two cans of Coke in there, but, like, w- the one way it's shot, one time it makes it look like it turned. When it didn't turn, it's just a second can of Coke. And I'm like, the why does Andy's fridge have uh, a blue mountain doing a green? That's, like, not con- – that this continuity is off. One of them is USA. One of them is the standard one, okay? Yeah, July 4th. Yeah, USA, baby. Uh, anyway, the eggs start frying it right on the countertop. Dana's uh, perplexed and scared by that, of course. Uh, and then we hear a growl from the fridge. She opens it up, and it is not a normal fridge. It is, in fact, uh, the little, uh, you know, portal to another dimension, the triangle in the back there. Uh, and it's a terror dog that says, zoo. She Greg, this, this, slams the door. As a child, this also scared me. Terrifying. I understand that. I can understand yeah. that. That'd be terrifying. terrifying. But I think a lot of it is Sigourney Weaver's performance, Kevin. Okay. I think it's her fear and her shock. Oh, and It was the eggs. Oh. The yeah, eggs were terrifying. The fact they, that they like cook a little, right? Oh yeah, they cook all the way. Yeah, yeah. Because when he comes later, he picks one of them up, but it's fried. And he kind of like wobbles. He's like, Let's check the fridge. There's another great one in the document or the commentary where they talk. They're talking about special effects. Like, yeah, how did you guys pull off that effect? And they're just like, yeah, we tried this and we tried this, and then we just put a frying. We just put heat 
<laughs> we just put Nina there. We couldn't figure yeah. it out, so we yep. just put Nina. <laughs> but also, I just want to shout out like the, the art direction in this, right? But she opens it up, and it's this beautiful, haunting image. It's not like scary. It's not dark. It's bright. It's vibrant. It's like a pyramid. Mm, it's that, colorful. Like, the, it's all yeah. there. And then you, and then it cuts in on the on the terror dog, and he's like, Zool, you know, and you see all this stuff. But like the actual, that's what scared me. I was, I was like, well, that's a whole other dimension in a in your fridge. And now I'm scared of my refrigerator. Like that's what this movie's gonna do to me. That's why it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, she slams the door, and we go back to Ghostbuster HQ, where they're putting up a very small Ghostbuster sign, very thin Ghostbuster sign, very flat against the fire house drive. You don't think it's too subtle, Marty? You don't think people drive by and won't see the sign? Uh, then uh, the Ecto One, uh, before its uh, makeover rolls up, Dan Aykroyd driving. You can't park that here. <laughs> From Everybody relax. I found the car. This gives me so much anxiety because he was like. It was a steal, man. I got, yeah. for, he said, I got it for four dollars yeah. And it needs, after listing all the problems, right? One of which was a transmission. It needs yeah. a new transmission. How much? $3,800. And again, Nathan's face drops or whatever. Uh, from there, we go back in, or we go into the firehouse, right? Uh, we meet Janine Melnitz for the first time working, or working, sitting there reading a People magazine with Cher on the cover at her desk. Uh, she's there, has a quick conversation with uh, uh, Pete Bankman. And he calls, no. And he's, no. And, and, and anything, no. Uh, well, you were paid for this stuff. Paid for this stuff. Now, as a person who's insults a lot of his coworkers, I respect this. This is maybe where I learned this. Where it's like, if you insult someone and you really say something bad, he just immediately is like, Janine, sorry about, about the bug eye thing. I'll be in my office. And by the way, his office is just behind her. I, 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 never, I never caught that until this last time. We're like, it's just the open space behind her. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. actually go into the office, which is great. Uh, going back to the the car real quick, I, I appreciate seeing it before it turns into the Ecto-1 because it's like, you know, we're, I'm such a big fan of, like, the reveals and the power-up hype moments and all that shit. And, like, when we do see the Ecto-1 actually as the Ecto-1, it's just so cool. But I love this movie kind of treats itself as an origin story, treats itself as getting the gang together. And, like, we see the, them get the, the house. We see them get the car. And, like, the upgrades feel earned, and especially with the montage we get of all that, like, them gaining success and shit. Like, it's, it's again, really well-plotted movie. Well paced yeah. as well, yeah. It, it goes fast too. Like I even last, I, I watched it last night after playing something for a preview or whatever, and I was like, oh man, I went too long. I was in there, I'm like, man, I forget how much this movie cooks. Like we're going, you know what I mean? Like it's not. I was, and I was like, this will be a quick plot recap. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, no sooner does Peter go in there, apologize, and sit down at his desk. Uh, from underneath uh, uh, Janine's desk, Egon rises right. And uh, Janine clearly making conversation, probably flirting a bit with him here, right? Trying to do this, uh, trying to get anything out of Egon. We get to the brick wall that he is. And he, in 1984, declares print is dead. <laughs> and she, and she tries that. to still go off that. Like, oh, that's very interesting. I'm a big reader myself. Uh, his, you know, spores, molds, and fungus is his hobby. It's the best he can do. Uh, that scene ends. We get the do do do. Uh, Dana Barrett enters the firehouse while Dan Aykroyd is working on the Ecto One laid out there. Again, this is the shot that's mirrored in the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer of the movie as well. Same thing of the kid uh, Finn right working on uh, the Ecto One. We're using the same dirty ass mat too of it or whatever. Um, he. Oh, so yeah, Dana walks in and walks by it. This is the thing that passes Tim's test where, uh, you know, it, I'm sorry, this is a Ghostbusters, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it, you know I need to talk to somebody or whatever. Uh, of course, uh, Vankman hearing a woman's voice, prairie dogs up, runs over. And then to break the fourth wall, uh, Bill Murray almost eats it really badly here if you ever, if you ever rewatch. He runs and jumps over, but his feet catch the swinging door. And oh, yeah. Weird. If it would have gone a little bit further, he would have fucking totally been. I was shocked. Know. I was like, that, that you can't. Fake that. <laughs> like, that obviously was just the, the shot they got. They're like, I guess we're using this one. But, it, again, that adds just to the, like, 
it just feels like these are just dudes. Yeah, it feels yeah. authentic, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, and from there, we jump into, you know, they, they meet and they talk for a second, and then we go upstairs and we get the weird technology aspects of this, right, where it's all three of the Ghostbusters talking to Dana, uh, asking her all these questions about what's going on. We get the purple thing where you see Dana's uh, face in the weird silhouette, and then you see uh, her getting analyzed by Egon with his giant light that blinds Bill Murray. Uh, they're all drinking Budweiser beer, which I love. This <laughs> this woman, terrified out of her mind, is showing up in this new business, and they're eating cheeses and drinking beer, and just like, oh, we don't know the fuck we're doing. We're just like, drinking one Bud. There's like four Bud, like empty cans. In it looks like a college yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just they've been partying all day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I, I want to say about that shot where, um, ooh, what's his name? Egon. Jim. Ivan. Yeah, Egon. That's it. Egon looks over with the light. I, I don't know what it is about that shot. I love the the shot from it, and then the switch to perspective mm-hmm. of uh, the other guy yeah. just getting blinded. Yeah, I yeah. think something about that is just cool. It is. It is really funny. Yeah, I like that too. Um, you know, there's nothing coming up. Uh, you know, she, she, what are you thinking, Egon? She's not lying. Or at least she doesn't think she I, I, she is. And like, why would I lie about this? Why? Oh, some are just nuts. You know, brown street, blah blah blah. Totally and again, out of that, like spit, yeah, totally. And this is when he really goes out. He just you know, fucking full bore with nothing, right? Of like, well, you know, in these kind of cases, there's usually things we've done. And he kind of does this behind her of like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. And that's when you know, I'll check the usual literature. Ray's gonna go check the building stuff. Tobin Spirit Guide, Space Catalog, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, Peter's like, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to Miss Barrett's apartment and check her out. I mean, I'll go check out. Ms. I'm gonna go check out Miss Barrett's yeah, apartment. Yeah. He does look like that. Yeah. Uh, from there, then, yeah, it's, uh, we go to Dana Bill, uh, Dana Barrett's apartment again. This time with Pete Bankman. Uh, and you know, you can. What I like about the scene, right, is like obviously Dana's incre- an incredibly smart character. Uh, already, she's like these guys are weird when she's there. But you can, env- I can envision the cab ride they had together there because by the time they get into the apartment, she's already kind of on her last nerve with Pete Bankman. Sure, no, <laughs> so you know he's already been full Pete Bankman in the car, a weirdo about it, right? But immediately she sees through all this bullshit of like him coming in and doing. It's Doctor Bankman, and he does the. He, they hate this. They hate this. He's fucking with this. the piano oh, and doing all this different stuff. And again, this is back to your point. Uh, he's walking around, sort of thing, like a lot of space. And then it was, uh, oh man, it, you know. Just, just you? you? And she, yeah. he's like, yeah. What does he say? That was his follow-up. I forget. Just you? Yeah. Well, no, he's got the one moment where he's like, she's like, what's in there? She goes, that's the no, no, but it's, yeah. Before that, I was gonna get there. I was gonna get there. Oh, anyway, okay. He has a great follow-up to just you, something like perfect. And she kind of gives it, and then yeah, that's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. What a crime! Like, oh my that's god, that's the part. Like, that's the part where she's like, all right, what the fuck is going I'm on? I'm done with this guy. Yeah, yeah. By the way, there's not, there's not, there's not a, a chance I've ever like every time I pass the piano. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to. Oh, I want to click those last two keys. And be like, they hate this. I want to torture them. And then yeah, so that's all happening. And then it's the uh, oh yeah, you know, you don't seem like a scientist. Yeah, usually they're pretty stiff. You're more like a game show host. Oh, and that kind of like okay, show. that kind of gets pee back in the moment. Let's go in the kitchen check it out. He goes in there. Uh, you know, Dana, are these the eggs? Like the stupidest line. <laughs> are these the eggs? Yes, these eggs that are there fried on the countertop are the eggs I was talking about. And then she's so over him, right? Of like, Doctor Vickman, you've come all this way. Don't you want to check the fridge? Finally opens it up. Like check I said. Casserole dish, the two different cokes, uh, sprays in there. You know, are you sure you're using it? Well, I, I think so, right? Well, I'm sure there's no animals in here. Great. Well, either either uh, I'm haunted or whatever. I'm completely nuts. I don't think you're crazy. That makes me feel so much better. She leaves, and this is yeah. When you know Pete goes all the way, all the way ham on it, neck of right of like, I see you. I see someone has the same problem as me. <laughs> uh, yeah, will you? Uh, you know, I come home. All I have is my work. Will you please leave? And this escalates, escalates, and eventually it gives uh, Pete the uh, 
uh, kicking the ass, right? Of like, I know what I'll do. I know what I'm going to do. I'll prove myself. I'll, prove I'll solve your little problem, and then you'll think Steve Bankman's the guy who gets things done. I wonder if he, he. I wonder what makes him tick. I wonder if he he's like interested in what, what makes me tick. And then yeah, he goes to get. You know, she pushes him out. She's and then he does the like, no kiss, push out again, which again incredibly fucking creepy. Don't creepy. do this. Yeah. But there's something creepy. about 1984, whatever. I don't know. But in like Bill Murray as well, whatever. Right. But he gets pushed out. He leaves. This is where you know. uh Lewis Tully gets locked out again. We get that one thing. If they if they would have let the scene play a little bit longer, he walks by and goes to Lewis. He's like, "What a woman!" and keeps walking. Uh, from there, we jump back to uh, the firehouse. Uh, the it's nighttime. The boys are eating Chinese food, uh, and you know he's like, "Yeah, you, it was a little bit of a recap, right?" He's like, "I need to pull some petty cash and take her out to dinner. We don't want to lose her as a client, uh, or to our first and only client." Uh, and it Ray's like, "Well, this magnificent feast represents the last of the petty cash." Uh, if you are a eventually, as you know, Ghostbusters uh, can't be separated from Greg Miller. So just a heads up, I want everybody to know if you watched the Greg way on Patreon a while back when somebody finally asked about my car, and I was like, "Oh no, I bought." That Mini Cooper I, I talked about in the Kind of Funny podcast. I was going to make it into an Ecto One. We were going to do all this stuff to it. We, I had this this entire scene shot for shot in my head of us <laughs> at the old studio desk eating Chinese food and be like, "This represents a blast of pay cash." And then have Joey do the the Annie Potts bit, right? Of like, "We got one." The Ghostbusters. Yes, of course they're serious. You do? You have? Of course they're serious. Oh, they'll be totally discreet. We got one, right? And just like, I like right now, I'm getting chills. Just like and I, I love it. We gotta do it right. one day. So we got one, and like the fucking busboys music kicks up, which is the the name uh, of the, who, the people who sing yeah, this song. Also, right? this song for forty eight hours. Great, so fucking good, right? And the guys come down the poles. That you know, a little bit overacting. You know, Pete brings the Chinese food. They get in there. They, we see the glimpse of the jumpsuit for the first time. They throw it on. You know, the doors open. It's the Ecto One license plate. The lights come up. It comes out. It tears out. Te- it goes. Fucking sound. Another yeah, fun one, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Ecto one siren's so good. Of course, it, like obviously you have eyeballs and you've seen movies, so I don't think you're you're probably caught off guard as the '84 audience, right? That of course footage had to be sped up. Yeah. Like obviously that car tearing on, it's pretty obvious when you look at it, well, right? But like obviously because, right because of the steam. If they had left the sure. steam out of it, it might have been less obvious. But when you should sure. steam really quickly, yeah, you had to have a steam. Steampunk city. Uh, Jason Reitman talked about it in uh, the, the IGN uh, Rewind Theater. He was on for Ghostbusters Afterlife's trailer of like you know they had to speed it up. They had to speed up the Ecto One uh, in post uh, for '84. But in our movie, we actually went in there and rebuilt the engine and did all this stuff so it could drift through the cornfields and do all that shit and be an actual practical car, which I think is awesome. Um, car rips out of there. Runs over to the Sedgwick Hotel. Pulls up out front. Sirens going off the guys get out they walk in hey anybody see a ghost now what again is like again this is such great thing we've recapped it and i've talked about how i was gonna do my own car reveal this way and shit like that right like remember that like annie Potts' final line is just like oh yes they'll be totally discreet totally again discreet. like another thing that was like you catch and you hear it but like to see them for the first time in their outfit in their car with their siren with their lights like rolling up and being such an a walking advertisement right for this thing of what is going on Small yeah, thing for me on this one but, from a production standpoint is I love that most of the stuff was filmed in New York, which is super cool because they're like running around the streets and you can see them and they all love New York. Obviously, Bill Murray, SNL. But I think this shot was L.A., right? When they come in. So I think that hotel is actually in L.A. A like, lot, uh, if, and I'm not prepared to say all, but a lot of in, the interiors are all L.A. It's yeah. exterior stuff that's New York, interior stuff. Yeah, if you look out, if you've ever been to like E3 and like bummed around downtown L.A., you look out, you can kind of see this from the telltale signs. That I just always think that's cool how they like, 
I've seen this movie a thousand times, never even thought to look out for it. That's how. Dude, how, you know, I I don't know. How, you might know Nick because I know you 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 know a lot about Ghostbusters too. But for the rest of the cast, remind me to tell. I mean, not that I'll ever forget. I'm gonna blow your mind later with that in New York, LA thing that I think is one of the craziest things in this movie. But I digress. That's a little Easter egg for you. I'm sure I'll get there in about four hours. I. They come in, it's the hotel manager, you know, he runs over there, and he's like, I hope this is going to be, we can do this quickly and quietly. Well, actually, that's how he ends. Yes, sir, we do, that all, we do this all the time, and puts it on us when he gets a double take. Before then, you know, there's servants on the 12th floor, most of the old staff knows, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, we handle this thing all the time, we got it. They go to the elevator, there's this fucking great line, right? I'm like, what are you supposed to be, some kind of cosmonaut? <laughs> no, I'm sure we're Terminator. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. Must be some cockroach. Another one for you, Greg, one of my favorite, and it will go down in history. I'm sure one of my most cherished kind of funny memories. But when we did the Ghostbusters World Let's Play, where we all dressed up and wandered around San Francisco playing, when we were waiting at the light, to, at like oh, a few blocks away from our studio, waiting at the light to cross the street to go over, we were standing there. And again, Ghostbusters is like such a, if you're in, you're in thing. We were standing there, and some stranger walked up next to me and goes, what are you supposed to be? Some kind of cosmonaut? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Awesome. And then, you know, I'll get I'll get the next one. The next just one. get on uh, the elevator. They ride up, and again, this is the scene we talked about earlier. Ride of like, you know, it just, it just occurred to me we've never really had a successful test of this stuff. I blame myself. I do too. Says Pete to him, right? <laughs> All right. Well, no, it's not. Switch me on, and yeah, you got moves out of the way or whatever. Such good acting right there too. Totally right. Yeah. Uh, they get out of the elevator, and I love again for this. The entire, not the entirety, but for the long time here, right? Like until Pete C. Slimer, I guess. Like you just watch Bill Murray; he never turns on his pack. No, nope. just walking Casually. arms down. Like he doesn't give a shit about this. Well, like, the scene is beautifully blocked, right? Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dan Aykroyd exits first, and he's in like a he's in like a military combat yeah. stance, right? And then Harold Ramis kind of comes around, checking the corner, and then Bill Murray just walks out dopey. Like, I, like he doesn't I think matter. it's the other way. I think it's, it, it's Dan comes out, Bill comes out, and Bill then comes out, and then he turns yeah. it on. Like Egon comes out, and he's like turning his on for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, then they blast the maid. Uh, what the I hell are you scene. doing? Uh, and then, just, and again, what? This poor woman has, like, three lines in this movie, and it's the best line. It's just the perfect – and you want to talk about great editing, right? The sound effects, the silence, and then just the, the perfect amount of beats until, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm we thought you were somebody else. We thought you were someone else. And I, another one. All right, successful test. And then just oh, yeah, we grab up kind of faster. Yeah, we can do more damage that way. Yeah. Uh, I never caught before in the back. She's trying yep. to put out one of the fires. <laughs> like, exactly. like Windex bottle. She has her Windex bottle. She's spraying the fire out, trying to put out again. She's like, like, there the whole time. Nothing happening. Yeah, right? Terrifying. Uh, so the Ghostbusters break up. You know, Pete wanders around. Uh, Egon wanders around the PKE meter out. Eventually, you know, uh, he's, he just heads down with it and walk. There's a guy trying to get into his room, and he comes up, pushes the guy, and it realizes he's not a ghost and gets annoyed and walks away. Uh, but yeah, Ray with a cigarette hanging, well, not hanging right away, but it comes around the corner right, and then the cigarette dips and sticks to his lip because he sees Slimer there, a uh, disgusting blob feasting on a bunch of room service that's been left out. Um, yeah, you know, he Penguin. Franklin, uh, he's like, oh, I gotta hold him myself or whatever. Uh, throws on the another and another, you know, one perfect shot kind of thing, right? Like he, the pack's turned on, but he turns on his uh, neutrino on, right? And then when he does, the the, the light on it like shines it's perfectly crazy. up into his face, so like cool. so well done, right? To show us as the audience that there's something else going on. Uh, you know, blasts uh, at him, climber freaks out, takes uh, off. So, sorry, what's up, Ed? Oh, I was gonna say uh, Miller is another moment that as a kid scared me. Slimer sitting there eating the food and it just falling through him. Oh, sure. I was like, fuck, what the hell? Like, this movie's terrifying. We would see a similar scene later in a movie called Casper, 
And that always that uh, sucked with me too. And they'd eat and they would, they would go yeah. through. And also, Casper canonically in the Ghostbusters universe. Uh, Ray appears in Casper and he comes out. He's like, I ain't dealing with this. You're going to have to call someone else. Who are you going to call? Off. Somebody else. Someone else. else. Yeah. yeah. Or the mustache. Like, get out of here. That's yeah, a really bad mustache. I'm uh, sure he was in some other thing where he had the mustache, like uh, Henry Cavill, and couldn't get rid of it. But at some point, uh, the director uh, said that, that that's canon. <laughs> that's a lot of them. I'll take it. Yeah. Are we are we reviewing? Are we watching Casper and Ghostbusters? I don't know. Review? I don't know. God Devin saw it. We could probably get Devin to watch with us. Yeah, probably. Sorry. <laughs> Slimer takes off. Uh, the tray follows in his wake, smashes into the wall that vibrates because it's clearly not like a real wall. Uh, you know there. Uh, you know. Um, uh, that happens. Uh, then maybe here's where actually Eon was walking around. Uh, one of the only slow mo shots in the whole movie, too, right? Because it hits and then it, it cuts to a different angle, and you can see the wall really. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a flat because yeah, yeah. it's smashing, but it's that music score to that haunting, like. Yeah, yeah. I just love it. I like that thing. Uh, then we eventually get back to Pete, who's wandering around, arms at his side, right? And then, yeah, eventually around the corner, and there's Slimer hyperventilating, waiting. He, he does the whole, you know, comes down here and picks it up, and he's like, Come in, Ray. Come in, Ray. Bankman, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's not a little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. <laughs> Don't move. He won't hurt you at this point. It's like, comes out of that. And again, imagine seeing this movie, and, and I know for some of you it is, but like, imagine seeing it not knowing that he's going to be okay, right? Like, one of the stakes in this universe. Uh, slams into him. We get the running, the panicky music, the twist and turns in the hallway that always kind of remind me of the Shining. And then we get there, and yeah, Pete Bankman's down slime. He slimed me. That's great. Actual physical contact. Uh, calls down to, or Egon calls up, right? He just went into a ballroom. He got slimed. Great. Saved some for me. <laughs> and uh, the, the boys go down there, right? Uh, I feel so funky. Uh, the boys go down there uh, where, again, hotel manager's like, if you and your staff will wait outside, we'll make sure we can wrap this up for you nice and quickly or whatever. Uh, they go in there. They lock the door. And this is where, yeah, all hell breaks loose, right? Where Oh, it's actually where, you know, Egon gives uh, an actual plot point to the movie, right? Oh, there's something I forgot to tell you. Don't cross the stream. Uh, don't cross the stream line. It would be bad. I'm a little fuzzy on the whole good, bad, bad. <laughs> Imagine all life as you know it's stopping instantaneously and all, every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Thanks. Important safety tip, Egon. Important safety tip. I, I hope that he just thought of that. That is it. All right, cool. Okay, yeah. Important safety tip. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, now we get into the Slimer battle, right, where, you know, we see him. Uh, he goes... Yeah, yeah, well, actually, when they came in, right, he was going around the chandelier, which was just a green peanut they painted, if I remember correctly from commentaries that they were doing. And a special peanut? Guy, yeah, he hates the fucking uh, shot, if I remember correctly. Uh, so uh, they blast there, the chandelier falls, all hell breaks loose. That took, you know, he's shoot, going around, he's drinking at the bar, uh, you know, Ray, give me one hide outside. Ray, poof, Egon, poof, and then Egon just fucking destroys the bar. And I remember my dad laughing. So hard. Probably maybe the hardest I've ever seen my father laugh. Definitely as a kid. Uh, of when, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice shoot. Dude, Egon's face. And he's just blasting this entire thing to smithereens. Or whatever. Well, I love it. Was this before or after they downed the chandelier? And he goes, I'm sorry. That was my, that was my fault. He goes, don't worry about it. The table, the table broke his fault. That, that's, that's coming up now. I think I put <laughs> yeah. that earlier because of the peanut part. But, uh, yeah, they blast the chandelier. That's going on. He's up there. Uh, yeah, the table broke the fall. They throw the table outside. You know, obviously the hotel guests are getting there for their midnight buffet or whatever, which they put down there to try to make sense of why this is happening so late at night. Uh, I'm sure this is that house. I assure you the room will be ready promptly at time once your guests are here. What do you got, Nick? 
Oh, I, just thought, I always thought it was like a just an evening banquet thing they were doing. They say something about midnight buffet on the oh, thing. Okay, yeah. Whatever. But again, like, you know, whatever. Uh, I, was, I wanted to say real quick, this didn't scare me, but it always stressed me out how much they destroyed the place. Oh, yeah. That's the whole point of it. Come on. The whole point of it is like, it's, it's, it's you such, be great, this. such classic editing too, right? Inside yeah. chaos, outside the guy's just desperately trying to like, it, and he, he has that line where he's like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Is, I'm sure you'll be ready when your guests arrive. And we cut back indoor, and that's when he's like, can't you help with this table? And they just fucking roll the thing. And then <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I've always wanted to do this. And the flowers are still standing. And now I have reference for that kind of funny print that we did. Uh, of the photo that we took. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the Because I, I had no idea, like, where it was, and I knew we were in some ballroom when we took this photo and photoshopped us into the movie, uh, and now I understood. It's a great thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, they get a containment stream, uh, stream on Slimer, and they get the other one, and when I do, I start bringing them down. This is the great line, too, of, like, fake me, shorten your stream. I don't want my face burned off. <gasps> Maybe next time you won't slime a guy with a prosthetic on glider. Uh, is, uh, is Greg getting very robot-y? A little, he got a little pixely for me. Hello, hello, uh, hello. He, he's pixely, but his voice is totally normal oh, okay. on the recording. Wait, I'm yeah, Sorry about that, guys. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the trap. Don't look at the trap. I looked at the trap, right? Uh, they get him in there. He's in there. <laughs> you know, Pete Vangman kicks in. Does hey. Uh, this is the, yeah, the doors throw open though, and this is the big victory celebration for the Ghostbusters, right? Boom, doors open up. We came, we saw, we kicked his ass. You saw it. I was gonna say, shout out to the trap. Like what a amazing design in every aspect. The fact that it rolls out, the fact that, like, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's got, like, a weird foot pedal thing. Oh, I always thought it was really so cool. cool. So cool. So yeah. cool, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, what was it? You know, what you, and you got the smoking trap. They explain what's going on. Another good one here of, like, all right, now, and, like, you know, again, they've never done this, so Bankman's coming up on the fly with how much they actually charge to be good right. partners, right? And, yeah, uh, Egon's, you know, stretch. But we do have a special on proton charging and storage of the beast, and that only costs you $5,000. I had no idea it would be that much. I won't pay it. Oh, that's fine. We can put it right back in there, can't we, no, Dr. No. Stans? Yes, we can, Dr. Bankman. No, no. And he cuts in the great. And that's when we roll into this Ghostbusters montage, right? And it's just fucking so fucking hype. Tim, is this hype as fuck? I mean, is it I, just me? Oh, I fucking love it. That, that, this is the blowjob part, though, right? That's the yeah, one thing. Like, yeah. I feel like that does not fit this movie, and it's fucking weird. It doesn't fit the world that they, they built. Like, they're they're hanging out with ghosts? And, like, well, so... You no, know, he was dreaming about it. Yeah. Well, like, so in canon of what's happening here, the way they show it to you, Tim... Mm-hmm. Is you're meant to believe that the Ghostbusters are working so hard that they're sleeping at the fire station and that this is a dream da- uh, uh, Ray is having at one point. Got now, it. if you, you wanted to remove that, ourselves yeah. from canon, it's a deleted scene that yeah. Ray and Winston went up to this uh, upstate New York place that was haunted by this ghost that they see. Uh, and, that, you know, they have to stay there overnight in this, like, bed and breakfast thing that Ray's in the, outfi- uh, Ray's in the outfit um, because – uh, you know, they were, he was like, they were drinking, I think, if I remember correctly, or just hanging out or whatever, because it's like a historical bed and breakfast or some shit like yeah. that. You can and see so, there's a little stanchion, so it looks like he's on a set where there's a stanchion where they put it there and you can't go across, uh, you can't cross that. Which yeah. I never caught until this last time. Like, so I, I always thought, oh, he's having a dream of being a ship captain or something and he's on a ship, but there's actually like a little, like, it looks, if you pull back and you look at the bottom right hand of the frame and you can see that it's like a museum. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's too many elements being added in, in one thing where it's just like we Oh, dude, no, you, I, I 100% agree with you. It's, it, you know, 
you know exactly what happened. It's that they thought this ghost blowjob was hilarious. And mm-hmm. they're like, we've cut that scene. How do we fit it into the movie? Totally. And they're like, oh, yeah, one third of the year, where all this other real stuff's happening, right? Where they're on their national news. They're on talk radio. Chris right. Kasem's talking about them, right? Like, they're getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, yeah. We'll Larry King? Yeah. Holy cow. That just didn't. Like, yeah, but in the context of It kind of just throws you back to, like, how. Because Larry King has looked. Old. He looked the same way for about 30 years, and this was, like, right before he'd looked that way for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fuck, it. that's hilarious. But then, yeah, and also, if you just want trivia, of course, then, when, uh, it's towards the end of the movie here, when they drive back in the containment unit's been blown up, and Ray and Winston show up for the first time, like, what happened? That's them coming back from the upstate New York job. Oh, that's that why sense. they're that's up there cool. doing something, why they're off on their own, and, like, why he comes back looking at the metallurgy and all that. I do, I do respect that, though, there's multiple scenes of them running around and, and then coming back and doing traps and stuff, and they're slimed a lot, which I thought was sure. interesting. Yeah. I never caught that in, in all the times I've watched it before. So they get into, like, some shit. There's more ectoplasm happening everywhere they go. Oh, sure, yeah. That's, you know, something that's coming with the ghost run. Yeah. And there's I, also, like, you know, the idea that, like, this is one of the few times I think you see them using, like, different gear setups. Where, you know, usually, like, you know, I think Harold Ramis is always using the PKE meter, right? Ray is always in the ecto goggles. You see that switched up a bit a few times in some of the shots here. It's like they're using other different stuff. Stupid little things that I like. Um, I wanted to say I really like the, like, old newspapers and magazine yeah. covers that they show. But it's I just mean, that cool like, throwback. That's thing you talk about, like... The newer movies, right? How do people not know that ghosts were around? Where like they're in like they're on the cover of like the Atlantic magazine and being like, it's like do, have do you remember the headline? Fuck! It was like civil the new civil like, the, it's yeah, it's like ghosts the political rights. drama and it's like right. do ghosts have civil rights? Yeah, they're getting uh, trapped and contained in jail. <laughs> like this is something that, that yeah, this was a cultural phenomenon in the in the movie world or in the world of this movie rather. This was like a worldwide phenomenon that people sure. knew was happening in New York. But you know. Hey, man. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm interested to see how Afterlife handles it, because I agree with you, but then also, would these kids, modern kids, know about something that happened 40 years ago in New York? Granted, yeah. we're not talking about, like, the fucking Mets having a great game. We're talking right. about a fucking 100-foot marshmallow man walking in the street. Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah that would have come up, but, you know, whatever, whatever. We'll see how, we'll see how we'll they see. explain it in November, hopefully, if I can go to a theater one day. Um... So, yeah, it's a montage. They're successful. Dana's watching. She's enjoying it. The Ghostbusters are huge. They're not getting any sleep. They're super worn out, which, of course, leads us to the next scene, which is the introduction of Winston Zeddemore, uh, who shows up with the one ad in paper, comes in. Uh, uh, Janine interviews them, goes through the whole thing, of the litany of, like, the theory of Atlantis, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if there's a steady ch- paycheck involved with it, I'll believe anything you say. Uh, Ray and Pete walk in exhausted with full traps. Uh, and she's like, this is Winston Zeddemore. He's here about the job. Beautiful. You're hired. You're racing. <laughs> Pete Bankman. <laughs> All right. They're like, good enough. Like, come on. We just need bodies right now. Welcome aboard. Gives them the traps. Uh, and that this will lead to the scene with the Twinkie and all that stuff, but we're not there yet. Instead, there's an interesting edit they put in here to get us back onto uh, Dana and Pete, uh, where uh, Dana is leaving uh, uh, her. She remember she's she plays the cello, right? She's leaving uh, 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 the performance, the practice. Um, and is she violin or is she piano? She's uh, cello, I think. Yeah, she's cello, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah cello. Yeah, definitely cello in the second one, I remember. And this you see her restringing the cello. At one point, you see her restringing her cello. While she's yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, this is an absolute square, and you know where he's Aaron from. Randy. You know where he's from. It's going to be a weird kind of thing Are you, you probably won't remember. No. This guy, shockingly, no, Greg. Uh, this guy is from 
the movie Black Sheep. He runs the yes. campaign with Tommy Boy's Thank brother, you. or with uh, Chris Farley's brother. Yes, he's the asshole. He's the bad guy, right? Yeah, he's the one that's like, no, he's not the bad guy. He's just like, stop. Your brother's like fucking yeah. up your campaign. He's that that's guy. Right. Very weird. That's funny. So Pete Bankman waits outside. Uh, she comes over. She's excited to talk to him. He's here to update her on a case. He'd like to do it over dinner. She's like, just give me some of it now, right? Uh, you know, he has this thing that clearly Ray wrote down for him. He's never read. <laughs> Zool. <laughs> Talking about Zool, a minion of Gozer. Who's Gozer? Gozer was very big in Samaria. Very popular with Samaria. This is crazy because the movie goes insane at this point. Like, they kind of just played it super straight where it's like, yeah, there's ghosts here, and, like, it doesn't really matter. They have all this weird text that they don't really explain, and it doesn't matter because they're just using it, and, like, we don't need more context because it's there. This is the first time the movie starts being like, okay, we're going to – we need to start building some level yeah, of plot yeah. uh, of, like, what's actually going on. And it's, it's so ridiculously outlandish, but it really works. Because yeah, I like I like yeah, when he asks for. Is this the scene where he's like, uh, he kind of shows her the word. She's like, hitchhike. Yeah, hitchhike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that word? I also uh, love, by the way, uh, another touch in the scene that I that I always thought was so. I don't know why I, I I vibe with this, but I like that he's wearing his work outfit, but he's got a like an orange shirt over it. Like he was a little cold and he just threw it over. I just I thought that was so cool when he was that he had the he had the the jumpsuit underneath the jacket. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I was watching it and I was like, I gotta get that shirt because that's such a cool low low effort cosplay. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> having that orange thing with the the pads on my shoulder and the thing is just throw it over my jumpsuit for when I don't want to be full geared up. Uh, and then he, that great thing like again another. Bill Murray improv ride of walking away in that wide shot and the roller skater who's in a very similar thing is spinning and he just spins like him. I love that stupid shit. Um, anyways, yeah, they set up that they're going to have dinner and, he, and I'll bring the rolls. Guy, we can eat and rave. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet you, sir. You're looking much better. You're, you're very pale. Still very pale. <laughs> Fucking Josh McCuga here. Uh, yeah, I, love, I love the guy's like, the guy's like clearly, who's that? who's that? Right? He's like, yeah. you know, who is this guy trying to like, what's, what's he? Is he making moves on this person that I'm clearly interested in? And, and she's like, no, no, he's just a friend. And then he just totally blows up the spot. It's like, yeah, I'll see you on what Thursday. Just a nice little love flex you. from Bill Murray on that one. Totally, totally. Uh, we go back now to the firehouse. Uh, this is where we get, to Tim's point, right? We're going to get an explanation now of how all this shit works, right? Uh, it's Winston's. Arguably, probably first day. This is probably all filmed right when he went downstairs because I think Pete's still upstairs. Doesn't matter. Uh, about how the containment unit works. Put it in here. You know, lights green, trap is clean. Beast is stored here in our custom storage facility. Um, back upstairs, uh, Walter Peck shows up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Janine has a funny thing with uh, Bill Murray before then, right? Of just like, yeah, there's a guy from the EPA in your office. What do you want? EPA, what do you want? I don't know. All I know is that you promised to hire more help than you haven't. Janine, someone with your skill set would have no trouble finding a top flight job in either the hotel services or food industry. I've quit better jobs than this. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Uh, we go in there and, yes, meet, meet, meet Walter Peck, who, of course, from, again, you want to talk about being a dick and, again, understated performance, right? Even after being corrected that it's Dr. Vankman, we'll throughout the rest of the movie call him Mr. Vankman just to piss him off, right? Mm -hmm. So it is this whole thing. But so I'll talk about this guy here I got for you. <laughs> after this film, William Atherton became reviled. People would try to fight him in bars. One day, <laughs> shortly after the film's release, Atherton was walking down a stretch of 7th Avenue in New York City, entirely crowded with school buses, when he heard lots of children shouting at the top of their lungs, Hey, dickless. That's... So good. Well, he didn't do himself any favors because, I mean, obviously, I think he loved playing this part, and I think he loved, he knew he was this character going for, he was basically this character in every movie. But he played this character in Ghostbusters, in Real Genius, he was the principal, same character, though. And then, of course, 
most famously, he was I another know. exact character in Die Hard. He was the, oh. bad, the asshole newscaster. And it's oh, just, yeah. it just cemented that William Atherton was the antagonist to whoever the hero was going to be in any 80s movie. If you would like a crossover with another interview series we have done, uh, the one and only Michael Rooker almost didn't have his job in Mallrats because they wanted to give uh, William Atherton that mm. role as Brandy Stunning's father. Oh, right? But the right. problem was is that William Atherton was like, uh, I don't want to be the comedic bad guy anymore. And they were like, okay, no harm, no foul. And then he went and he was in Biodome as the comedic bad guy. Oh, <laughs> and they were like, Biodome, what? I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Why would um, you do our movie? You do Biodome? <laughs> Another yeah. fact I got about William Atherton is uh, in 2010, he was doing a show with the AV Club, and he was talking about the shaving cream scene, like, towards yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the melted marshmallow was extremely heavy. We had the eighth-grade science, science test. I went under the bag, and I asked, how much shaving cream is in there? And they said, not that much. So I said, well, how much does it weigh? Yeah, it's about 75 pounds, but it's shaving cream. You know the whole thing about 75 pounds of feathers and 75 pounds of lead? They're the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. So can we figure out what's going to happen with this? So they put some poor stunt guy underneath to show the sissy actor, okay, nothing's going to happen. So they unleashed it, and it flattened him. Yeah. <laughs> so they took out half the shaving cream, then I went out, and I dealt with it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, so yeah. dropping dropping 75 pounds of anything on your shoulders is going to put you on the mat, dude. Yeah, but you got to imagine, like, only part of it's hitting you. It'll be fine. It was just take the 75 pounds. It's an experience. Jesus. Oh, brutal. One second, Phil. I gotta move some. Uh, Where are we let's let's fast forward to the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can keep, I can keep going. Plot, I think. Uh, wait, where, where, what was the last? Oh, so EPA. Uh, they have the scene where they go downstairs, and he's like, he's like, I'd like to see your containment. And he goes, Well, you didn't say the magic words. And he's like, What are the magic what words? What is the magic words, Mr. Rankin? See your containment unit. And he goes. Why do you want to see my team? Well, I'm just curious. Is what the, and obviously we're, it, yeah, it's funny. Out. This sequence, like obviously they're grounding this somewhat in in the real world to try to make this as believable as possible, um, because very quickly people just kind of uh, agree that yes, ghosts exist and they are haunting and stuff like that. And I love that I hadn't even thought of like the repercussions of being like, and where are you storing these ghosts? Well, that's what, and being that's like, what's so... Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's kind of like, in the real world, that's a dangerous thing. I don't know. That's a good I, question. I, I love that too, right? And it's 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 such a, we just did a startup. Oh, God, we have to have this? Like, yeah, we didn't yep. even think about this? Like, insurance? <laughs> yeah. It's so real. Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it, it, it hits home. So, yeah, we have the whole escalation here with uh, Walter Peck, right? And he won't show him down there. And he's like, well, I'll come back with the warrant. You come back with the warrant. I'll, get, I'll sue your ass for wrongful prosecution. You can have it your way, Mr. Hankman. Uh, and so, you know, he gets thrown out of there. We go back downstairs where we get the famous Twinkie scene, right, uh, where it's uh, Ray, Winston, and Egon all having a cigarette right around the containment unit and all the high-voltage shit, just chilling out being bros, right? Dude, uh, he, like, lights Winston's cigarette, too, which is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, it's the whole thing of like you know uh, if this normal size Twinkie is what normal is for spiritual energy in New York the Twinkie from today would be you know whatever it is 36 feet long and approximately 600 pounds or whatever the fuck it is that's a big Twinkie a big Twinkie you know uh, when he comes down he's like I just had a visit from a, a, a visit from the EPA uh, how's the grid holding up not well tell him about the Twinkie 
What about the Twinkies? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, this is from you watching last night where I was like, we jumped back and we were going back to Dana's apartment. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're hauling. I forget how fast this movie mm-hmm. can move, right, or whatever, where it's like we're getting the crazy lightning upstairs, the purple lightning around uh, the building here. Uh, we get the terror dogs, toes breaking through, right? And then it's uh, Dana walking back to her apartment, Lewis stopping her because he's having his party, right? You're missing a killer a classic party. Classic party, yeah. <laughs> So good. I love it. Like for the two seconds that she's walking right in front of his door, she's like trying, trying to tip out. He's like yeah. sitting there, like waiting for it. You all have that neighbor, right? That's gonna fucking. You. I don't want to see this person fuck there. There. Uh, she breaks the news, of course, that she made a date, and he has that really genuine, like, you made a date, and then he's like, all right, you can bring him. She's like, all right, we'll try to stop by. Great, I'll tell everybody. He goes, can't get it. Somebody let me in. Uh, Dana goes into her apartment. Uh, she's coming back from workout. She's trying to get ready for her date with Venkman. Uh, the phone rings. It's her mother. And it's like, I've never heard a more like, uh, spot on, like call with your parents when you're in a hurry. Like, yeah, I won't. I will. Mom, I have to go. <laughs> like, I have to go. I have a date. Yeah. Uh, no, no one you know. He's a Ghostbuster. Those guys on TV. Those guys right? on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, like, you know, I'm not this guy or whatever, but like, in terms of, I think, you know, Ghostbusters for the most part is a lot of wide. Is a lot of sta- – the mm-hmm. camera is planted. I really do love, while they're doing this, they do a great spin around her, where she's mm-hmm. having the conversation, the camera spins, and it ends like, all right, bye, bye, love and dad, bye, and hangs up. And she has that, whew, and, like, you see the kitchen door there with the light around it, right? And then mm-hmm. she does that, like, slow look, and you see the hand coming through it and twisting on her. Oh, fuck, or shit, whatever. And then poof, the hand comes up, grabs her, slams her down, another hand up here, slams her. The, Kevin, I will give you, this one scared me as a kid. This one of, like, the monster coming up and grabbing her and then pulling her in there, the door slamming shut, and us being like, well, what the fuck just happened in there, right? Because they couldn't touch you before this, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. They they did a great job of establishing ghosts not being scared, or not being able to hurt you, right? They they can slime you. That was it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, now we go upstairs. We see the terror dogs are gone from this thing. Uh... We stay here. We stay here. We stay here. We go back to uh, uh, the Lewis Tully uh, part, party, party, right? right? Yeah. Where he's going around saying everybody, hide everybody. Do you have the? Do you have aspirin? I got the acetaminophen. And it's the gen- generic. I get 600 tablets for the price of three. This ad is flu in the salmon from Nova Scotia. I got you know it's 14 dollars after taxes. That's why I'm inviting clients instead of friends. I'm throwing this whole thing as a promotional expense. Goes around that one woman wants to leave. He's like, let's dance. He starts dancing for two seconds. The doorbell rings. Ted and Ned, everybody, this is Ted and Ned Fleming. <laughs> Ted's got a small receivership, and Ned's drawing a salary from a t- deferred bonus. It's like walking in and having all your financial shit done or whatever. They give him this code. I'm sorry, Nick, you want to jump on? I was going to say, I'm, just, I'm rewatching this scene right now because I didn't want to think about this. It's all one shot. Yeah. It's so it's so well done, and and it's just again talk about like you talk about a lot of why a lot of the reason why 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 you see a lot of comedies like cutting into close-ups is so that you can cut the comedy for the mm-hmm. edit because you don't necessarily maybe the actor's not giving the performance or you need to re retime them and stuff like this. But this movie is amazing to just have a lot of these just be mediums and wide shots and just let Rick Moranis walk around fucking crazy. and do his fucking thing and put it's his thing down. So and this good. is awesome. Yeah, the, I mean the whole thing like he's. Selling it as like, oh, it's an expense thing. Like, I get yeah. that's why I'm, I book clients, not friends. It's like, ah, oh, you nailed this role, you nailed this character, 100. percent Yeah. Uh, even though you don't your own taxes, well, I remember he tells uh, Dana that right when he, even though you do your own taxes, which you didn't do. Uh, he throws the things in there. There's a terror dog in the bed that he doesn't see. The stuff goes over, shuts the door. Anybody want to play far cheesy? There's the growl. Go, okay, go. who brought the dog? You gloss past. You gloss past the best. Rick Moranis moment, which is like Lewis. I'm leaving. And he goes, no, 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 no. Maybe if you start, we start dancing, everyone will start dancing. She goes, okay. Okay. 
<laughs> and he just gets into it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Terror Dog explodes, busts through the table. Everybody's freaked out and done it. Lewis is freaking out. Uh, he runs out into the hallway, runs to the elevator, hits the door. Terror Dog bursts through his door. The old lady comes out for two seconds and shuts the door. <laughs> uh, he comes down, and now here's where the, we'll do the Easter egg, all right? He comes down. He runs out. Somebody has this bear. This is my apartment. Help. He runs. He hops over the thing, runs into Central Park. Uh, we cut back to the doorman and the guys there. The doorman and the guys there. A bear in his apartment? And then he gets knocked down as the Terror Dog runs out, right? Remember that doorman. That's what I'll say right now. Remember that doorman, okay. right? Okay. Okay. Uh, right that uh, we explode over. And, you know, it's him running through the thing. I'm bringing this, bringing this up to the next tenants meeting. There's not supposed to be, uh, you know, pets in the apartment. Um, runs the tavern on the green like we've talked about. He bangs. He's oh, somebody got him. He can't get in any of the doors, right? And he runs the glass line and bangs. Somebody let me in. Uh, nobody helps him or whatever. Uh, and then yeah, the terror dog. Nice pooch. Maybe I got a milk bone. Uh, and then and he puts himself to the glass and slides down. Everybody stops to look, then goes back to eating, just totally like whatever. Fuck this guy. He God, he's York, he's not good enough to be on Tavern on the Green. Why would I? Why? Why would I care about him? Um. From then we go back to the apartment, right? Uh, it, or the building. It's uh, P. Venkman walking up with flowers and walking into the building. One of my favorite Ghostbuster stories, of course, as we talk about sets and things like that, right, is they tried to film as much as they could in New York, obviously, ex- externally. When Lewis runs out of the apartment and the doorman gets knocked down, that is in New York. When they come back with Pete Venkman, the doors are blown apart because of the terror dog. That's a set in L.A. or whatever. Mm. They, the doorman is not the same doorman, but they were able to cast a dude that looks almost exactly like the fucking doorman. Like, it's ridiculous to me that there's this dude there that, like, is, I mean, like you look at it and you can see it, but, like, you, who's watching the fucking doorman? Like, I only yeah. know it from commentary tracks or whatever. That Like, that's what happened. Uh, I think it's stupid or whatever. What happened? Some moron brought a cougar to a party and the thing went to the earth. Cougar. <laughs> I like how the story evolved from a bear to a cougar. Because a cougar is just believable enough that someone could bring a cougar out to a party in New York. Stupid idiots, yeah. Uh, anybody else got something? I'm sorry, I thought somebody else said something. Mm-mm. No, okay. Uh, so Pete goes on up, and it's the uh, you know there is the chaos in Dana's hallway. Walks down, knocks on the door. Uh, the door opens, and it's this dreamy music or whatever. And Dana now in full Zool apparel, right? She's been possessed. Are you the keymaster? No. She slams the door in his face. <laughs> knocks again. Are you the keymaster? Yes, I'm one of his friends. I'm his friend. He told me to meet me here. I'm Zool. And then we get into the whole thing, right? Of I'm Zool. Right? What do we have to do today, Zuli? Preparing for the coming of Gozer. And we go through the whole thing, right? And again, another, I think, a great performance from uh, Sigourney Weaver, right? Obviously, as she gets to totally go wild in this movie where she's been a very the straight person, right? Of just like, whatever, I'm up, I'm up for here. Here's where she gets to ride around. And again, like, you want to talk about, like, a movie not made for kids, but, like, kids would never know. Because, again, if the comedy is what they're doing is all, you know, uh, dialogue-based, when she's like, you know, I want you inside me. Why would I ever think anything about that, right? Oh, it sounds like if you already got one, you already have too many people in there, right? Take me now, sub-creature. Like, all these fucking things that are, you know, I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. And she's what? Just like, well, what I'm more than a guideline than a rule. Yeah. And like, and she's like, she pulls him down, right? And I forget what she says to him, but it's the mo- it's the moment he breaks, and he goes, "Okay, no, no, I can't, I can't do it." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "All right, no, 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 I can't do this." I'm yeah, really yeah. glad that that's the direction they chose to take with it, because I could have sworn Bill Murray was going to be all about it. I thought he was going to be the fool that fell for it and wasn't was just like 
not aware and like obviously like she's possessed, but he just kind of like chose to ignore, either chose to ignore it or I mean she was just like too kind of overwhelmed by all of it. Yeah, and I just love the way he played all of this. It was so I also good. love that you see yeah. him when it cuts back to him in the later scene, checking her pulse and and like. He's actually has some level of knowledge of science. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had this. He knocked her up with, or knocked her up. He doped her up with a Thorazine, right? Or right. whatever it was, knocked her she's out. Like she's knocked out with like two hundred, three hundred cc's or whatever. Which I thought uh, was actually kind of a nice touch. Like, oh, he is competent. He just chooses not to be because right. he's he's likes the shortcuts. There's another moment as a kid that freaked me out. All of this, it was very intense. And, the and, 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 yeah, the levitating, but also like her like. Trying to fuck him. That was like, <laughs> like she's possessed, and that's not that. This seems wrong. And so yeah, that's the whole thing. We've kind of touched on all the elements of here, right? Of like yeah, she she does the whole uh, levitating, rotating, <laughs> like when she she roars at him or whatever, right? And like there is no Dana, only Zul. Oh, Zuli, old nutball. Um. Uh, well, yeah, so that's the cut. Oh, we cut, and then it's uh, Louis Tully, now uh, Vince Coulthor, uh, the uh, the key master. Uh, I did not say Vince Clothor, and I still can't say it right. But you know what I'm, I'm saying. Uh, he's Vince. Uh, they're running out there, and uh, oh, yeah, he's running around uh, asking everybody if they're the gatekeeper. He's the key master, right? And so eventually he runs up to the horse. <laughs> are you? Are you? I'm the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? And he, the guy, the the guy who drives the horse, like, hey buddy, he just he pulls the cart. I make the deal. And he does the red eye growl thing at him. Uh, wait for the sign. Then all prisoners will be released. You will perish in flames. You will perish. And he fucking kicks over the ladies, the homeless ladies' cans. What an asshole. <laughs> He's so good in this role. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, even like even possessed. He's still an idiot, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then uh, from there, it's the cops have picked up Vince, or, or, and they're going to bring him over to uh, uh, Vince, 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 Vince. Uh, uh, they're going to bring him over to the Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, she knocks on the door. Janine opens it, picking up or dropping off, <laughs> dropping off. <laughs> you know, I don't want to send him to Bellevue, and I don't want to put him in lockup, and I know you guys are into this kind of thing. Egon, uh, PKE sweeps him. It goes, it buries the needle, goes off the chart or whatever. Um... So you better bring him in. Uh, they bring him up. This is when we get the cool throwback to the Dana thing, right, where we see the TV, where they have the headset on uh, Vins or whatever, and uh, we go over there, and it's the terror dog on the screen. It's not uh, like when Sigourney Weaver got tested earlier, it was her on the screen. Uh, this time it's the terror dog, and it's head moving in the same rhythm, uh, doing the same motions uh, uh, Lewis Tully's doing. That's super cool. Awesome. Uh, you know, Egon keeps talking to him, you know, I'm Vince Clothor, blah, 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 blah. He says, he says he's Lewis Tully, Central Park West. Uh, you know, then we go into more like the, you know, they'll choose the form of the instructor, you know, many floors, or many whatever know what it was like to be ro- roasted in the belly floor. floor that day, I can tell you. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so he keeps going on, and eventually, yeah, you know, Jeannie's like, Egon, can I talk to you? Uh, and he's like, I, there's something, and again, understated, there's something very strange about this man. <laughs> and Egon looks out of his eye like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up on that. But Jeannie's like, you know, I'm usually very psychic about this kind of thing, and I got a horrible feeling you're going to die. Phone rings. Uh, Vince freaks out. They grab it, answer it. I'm gonna keep calling it Vince. Uh, grabs it, brings it over, and you know it's it's Pete. This is the conversation we're talking about earlier, right? I think we get get her a guest a guest spot on Wild Kingdom. Um, you know I, she says she's the gatekeeper. Does that mean anything to you? 
Uh, yeah, and maybe I just met the key master. Uh, and, and this is when uh, Louis Tully's drinking the water. Well, out that was before the, she's like, she's like, do you want some coffee? And he's like, do I? And he's like, yes, have, have some. Yes, have some. Weird as shit. And he's like, well, and so Pete's like, we got to get these two together. And Egon's like, I think that'd be extraordinarily bad. Uh, and he's like, all right, cool. Then I'm gonna head over there in a little bit, and I'll see you. Blah blah blah. Uh, and this is the thing, yeah, where he checks her pulse, but then he kisses her like on the hand, and then on the collarbone. It's like, all right. And it's like again. Uh, for the time, it's like totally that thing of like it's Bill Murray, and also it's a foregone conclusion these two are going to end up together because that's what every fucking movie does. But it's like now you're like, oh god, like what that, a weird wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't that work. That wouldn't sleep in uh, from here, though, we get to the scene I was talking about earlier. Uh, it's Winston and Ray driving back from the thing that didn't happen, and Ray's pouring over the plans for the building, right? And uh, we'll get into this in the cop thing a little bit, but he's basically going over the fact that, hey, dude, this fucking building's super weird. Nobody made it like this. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Winston asks, you believe in God? And Ray's like, never met the guy, but I do remember Revelations. You know, Judgment Day pitches the whole thing. And uh, in, the, in, in Winston's like, yeah, I love God's style. And Ray's like, well, every you know every uh, 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 religion has. Oh, sorry, Nick, I need your hand up. Well, I was gonna say they just. I think I, it's now he's talking about the metal, and he's like, this is the kind of stuff they use to like search for deep pull, like pull. I thought that was in. The, I thought space. I thought that was the exposition we get in the, the police. It uh, might it might be that. Yeah, it might yeah. be. It might be. Uh, but it doesn't matter either way. We know where we're going. Uh, every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world, and and uh, uh, Ernie Hudson, uh, Winston scoffs and is like, myth? Did you ever think that? The reason we're so busy right now and there's so many ghosts is that the dead are rising from the grave and that this is Judgment Day. And it's like a great thing of Ray, like, all right, let's listen to uh, uh, the radio, right? Good idea. And this is when we get the one shot of the Ecto-1 with the uh, uh, Twin Towers bridge. as they go across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's early morning uh, as they're coming home from this late night thing. Uh, this is when EPA shows up with the cops and Con Ed uh, to cut the power and everything else to so they walk in. Uh, Janine stops them, right, and is like, I've, I've seen TV. You can't come in here without a warrant or a writ or a search warrant. Or something. And she, he's like, he has, like, the list of all the things. Cease and desist all commerce. He's a band of public utilities. And there's another one of those, like, ah, fuck. You got us. <laughs> you actually know what you're talking about. Uh, they go downstairs. Uh, Egon's down there with Lewis. Uh, they start, you know, telling him to shut all this shit off. And he's like, we won't be held responsible. You will be held responsible, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Vankman shows up. He comes down. Eddie's officer. He tries to de-escalate, but he can't because obviously Peck already hates him. And so it's this whole thing. And, uh, you know, the guy's like, uh, the Con Ed guy's like, uh, you know, I've never seen something like this. I don't care what you've seen before. Uh, Vankman touches the cop, and the cop's like, don't touch me. And then Peck's like, you can shoot him if you do that. You do your job, pencil neck. Don't tell me how to do mine. It's like, damn, this is escalating quickly for this cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, eventually the guy goes over there to turn it off. Egon does the great, like, like when he walks away from yeah. it. Like, this is we really cool touch. Out of here. You know what I mean? And the dude throws the switch. Oh, sorry, they, I never noticed before, but they fucking, nobody gives a shit about Lewis Tully. They just oh, no. leave him and he's standing next to the thing with the Con Ed guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. Uh, so the dude turns it off, right? And then, yeah, all hell starts breaking loose. And the red light's flashing, the bricks start going. Uh, Lewis Tully Vince is like super into it. Uh, you know, we have been getting, we get a shot of Dana Barrett uh, as Zool, obviously. Sitting there. Hyperventilating bed like we left her, and then her eyes snap open when the top of the fire station blows off and the crazy energy shoots out. Everybody runs out, there's shit falling. Uh, all hell is breaking loose, right? Uh, we see the ghosts or the spirits or the energy all shoot out. Uh, there's a great thing of, you know, every, there's smoke and there's this and there's that, and the one rolls up, and uh, Ray and Winston get out and they're like, fuck. And then Vince has, like, or Vince has, like, or Lewis has that great line, right, of like, 
it's this, this is it, this is the sign. And Andy Foss is like, yeah, it's a sign, all right, going out of business. business. (laughs) And so this is when he's able to slip off uh, Lewis Tully, right? Uh, The Ghostbusters reunite, all four of them. What happened? Uh, You know, they turned off the protection grid. That's bad, right? And Ray's like, yeah, that's bad. Uh, Then they do the thing of like, wait, where's where's the the key master? The key master. They all panic trying to find him. They run to the cops and peck. And Peck's like, you know, I want you to arrest these men. They're in viol- criminal violation of the Environmental Protection Act. And then, and, you know, this is this explosion is a direct, uh, direct result of it. Your mother. And then we get to, you know, cut off. Is that a, that's all fun. And it's all the, please, please. I love, and we see that obviously in the in Afterlife trailer, right? This is where we get the wisps. Yeah, cool effect of all the ghosts just launching and being and going all over New York. And then, of course, it cuts over to that shot. Like, Dana wakes up, right? Yeah. And then I, what I think is the coolest shot in the whole fucking movie, as she slowly walks over to the window to look outside and sees all the ghosts, and then it's that slow-mo shot of it just exploding outward. And I don't know how the hell they got it. I don't know how many takes I must have taken, but the, the dust clears, and it's, like, blowing, and it's just as it clears, you see her peering laser right through it. So good. It's so rad. And this is the montage you have, you know, the subway ghost, the taxi ghost, Slimer with the hot dogs. Like, you know, this is uh, all the ghosts are back in New York. New York's in, under siege. Uh, we get Lewis Tully walking around staring at the sky the whole time, right, because he's following the ghost theoretically. Uh, it's back. chaos. It is chaos. It dogs is. and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Uh, from there we go to the police station. Uh, the Ghostbusters are in lockup alongside all the other deviants of New York, right? But they let the Ghostbusters keep all their plans for this building. Yeah, so, yeah this scene is weird. The, them being uh, arrested, it's like they really are just allowed to like, make this plan just in front of everybody, but all right. You know what? Whatever. Maybe the cops. I mean, it's Carl Winslow, right? It's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, Reginald Vol Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, uh, whether it's the Die Hard universe or whether it's uh, the Family Matters universe, we'll never know. Uh, but yeah, they go over the things here, right? And they're going back over. The, this is where you're talking about, like, uh, you know, the metallurgy of this, and like, uh, it's, it's for finding, you know, sonar in deep space or whatever. And like, basically, this is meant to be like to attract all spiritual energy to this one thing. And there's, it's obviously way funnier, better presented here because it is the whole like Ray for a second pretend I don't know anything about metallurgy, engineering, quantum physics. What is going on? You never studied. <laughs> And this is where they lay it out, of course, right? Uh, that this is this antenna, this is the thing. She lives in Spook Central. Uh, there's the thing I like, my, your girlfriend, she's not my girlfriend. You know, I just find her fascinating because she sleeps above the covers. Four feet above the covers. She barks, she's your... Uh And this is where they lay out things that will all be very important for Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we're important for Ghostbusters the video game well as you play. But we hear about Evo Shandor, right? Uh, the architect of this building, but also a doctor who performed a lot of unnecessary surgeries. Uh, he was a big Gozer worshiper. Uh, he had a secret cult of Gozer worshippers after uh, World War One was it? after World War, uh, you know, he decided that uh, society was too sick to be uh, allowed to survive. That it was filled with deviants, and this is when they're like look around, like, oh, we're in jail with all these people who are, you know, people that are like exactly what he's talking about. Um, so he built this thing, uh, you know, made the top of it. They would do rituals meant to bring about the end of the world. And now it looks like it actually might happen. So be good. So good. Whoa, somebody's coming. And Bill Murray doing his, like, lounge singing from SNL, right, as he walks around talking to everybody. And, like, uh, the, I like because I like everyone, everyone starts because Diane Aykroyd's so good at this. 
everyone starts to creep in. Bill Murray's like, you got that? Everything <laughs> <Everyone's laughs> up so far, whatever he said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this is, you know, uh, uh, Winston's like, are we really supposed to go in front of a federal judge and say that some moldy Babylonian god is coming back to, to destroy New York? Samaria, b- big difference. i got to get my own lawyer. And this is when the mayor... No, uh, yeah, don't take it. No offense, guys, but I'm going to get my own lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is when, uh, uh, Reginald L. Johnson shows up and says, Ghostbusters, the mayor wants to talk to you. All right, I have to go. The mayor wants to rap with me. Uh, so they leave to go talk to the mayor. Uh, from here we go back to the apartment building. Uh, all hell's breaking loose. Uh, there's been an explosion up top. Yeah, uh, all hell's breaking loose. They're freaking out on the ground. Um, Keymaster and Gatekeeper get together. Uh, Lewis Tully walks on in there. Uh, are you the, uh, I'm the Keymaster, you're the Gatekeeper, whatever they say. Uh, then she, you know, uh, Dana being Dom in this relationship grabs him, makes out with him, like, does like the sweeping dip, make out. Then they walk to a staircase that is behind the fridge. Like, you know, why was the fridge important? It was important because this is the way to get to the sacrificial, um, you know, uh, secret part where they do the ritual or whatever. Well, they go up there. Fine. I love the production design of all this stuff, like the way that the stairs look, and just like even the way they talk about it, of just like, yeah, let's let's go up these fucking stairs. It's like, where are the stairs? Really, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, before that, though, yeah, we go back to the mayor's office where, uh, you know, the Ghostbusters are Wait, real quick. Yeah, that wide shot of it, like it blown, blown the Dana's apartment blown up. Yeah, and like it looks so cool to have that giant missing chunk of the wall. The also like when he opens the door and her laying there, it's just so freaky. Yeah. Um. So now we're in the mayor's office. Uh, it's you know DefCon four if that's high. Uh. And they're over there doing. Kevin, what is it? DefCon one's the worst or DefCon five the worst? Hmm. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, everybody's freaking out. They got maps. They got, like, the, you got the little, like, epicenter from the firehouse going out and talking about all the shit. And they're all freaking out. Uh, Ghostbusters here. All right, Ghostbusters. They come in. Where's, where's Peck? I'm Walter Peck and I'm prepared to make it. And they start doing the bickering, you know, and the whole thing. And this is the, you know, the whole thing of, like, everything was fine until a dick was here. Shut off our production grid. And he turns, is this true? It is. This man has no dick. <laughs> That's what I heard. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> To me, funniest fucking part of the movie. Like, that yeah, hit me then so the hard. Yeah, the was so good on that. Yeah. Uh, so I do have... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I looked into it. DEFCON 1 is the worst, uh, right. critical. Okay. DEFCON 5, low. Okay. Oh, yeah. so it's opposite of her. Opposite what you think. Rock me like a DEFCON 1. And tornado. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're there now and they're having their conversation figuring out, oh, Peck's whole thing is like these are these men are consummate snowball artists you know, they use sense and nerve inhibiting gas to make you think you're seeing, and then they show up with a fake electronic light show, and then the fireman's like, what I know is that nothing I saw there was a, you know, a light show, I've seen every form of combustion known to man, that was no light show, uh, the one guy is like the walls, the, the walls in the 53rd precinct were bleeding <laughs> like, how do you explain that? Um, and so then finally, in the middle of all this bickering, uh, his eminence, like the bishop or cardinal or whatever, shows up. Mike, Mike shows up, right? And there's a moment of like, uh, the mayor kisses his hand and then he's like, Lenny, how are you? Mike, and he slaps him more. I'm in a real jam here or whatever. And like, you know, Mike, the church won't take a stance. I think it's a sign from God, but don't quote me on that. That's good, good advice, Mike. <laughs> whatever Mason says. Is, is, you know, I know, he, I like that he calls him Mike. It's good advice, Mike. Totally right. <laughs> And so, you know, Mayor eventually is like, so, you know, like, what's going on? They're like, you know, it's going to be real wrath of God stuff, you know, Old Testament stuff. And this is the whole thing. 40 years of darkness, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. He's like, I'm not going to call a press conference to tell everybody to pray, you know, and, blah, blah. and they go around the bend on this. And he's like, you know, so what, what do you want, you know, what do you want from, what do you want from me? Or what do you, or not, yes, that's the end of this or whatever, right? But he's like, 
So, you know, you know, it's the whole thing. It's the great line, right? I'm like, okay. oh, what if you're wrong? <laughs> wrong, nothing happens. I was trying to get to that thinking that was happening. <laughs> if I'm wrong, if we're wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, Lenny, you will save the lives of millions of registered voters. Great then, line. Yeah, so good, dude. And like, he's like, I can't believe you're actually thinking about listening to this man. Get him out of here. I'm gonna miss you. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him a nice fruit basket. Excuse me, thank you. I'll fix you. Then the guy, the mayor goes, so what do you need from me? Cut to the National Guard, all the police, right, uh, in this, like, uh, parade receiving line for the Ghostbusters as we go all the way back to find the Ecto-1 and uh, Bill Murray lean out and go, all right, let's run some red light. Um, so now it's back to, uh, well, now it's the, uh, like, <laughs> the day. I like, I like that, uh, when people talk about this and they talk about this specific scene of being like, like at the time, you know, like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd were freaking huge in, in, in New York because of SNL. And this was like their town and like people were coming out as extras that were like, because all these extras were like people, right? Like we're actually watching watching them film, and Ivan Reitman's like, fuck it, just, you're in. Like, we need them to guys for this stuff. And so they were just like, they, they talk about the energy on set when they would come back to New York and film there and how these guys were sure. like local heroes. It was super cool. Every time like, you've ever sang that song and done the, I always think you're doing Thriller by Michael Jackson. It sounds very, very similar. Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Revelation, man. I was saying this on the show a couple days ago, but like this, this moment of that song in this movie, like I, I, they nailed it. Greg and Nick, the, 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 <laughs> they got the sounds right. And when, once it started playing, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the scene. And it's a dope ass scene. You can feel that energy you're talking about though, right? It's crazy. When 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 they get out, so the Ecto one rolls up, right? And when Bill Murray gets out and he is shaking hands and stuff, he's he's Bill Murray in that scene. Oh, hundred percent. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so great about it. This and, is all and, and also Jeremy and extra and all this, yeah. Go ahead. And also, I just love the this sort of um, very authentic looks that Dan Aykroyd is giving. Like he doesn't want to look super stoked, but he's like, "This Come is on, pretty man. cool." You know, yeah. like, it's yeah. great. This sequence is so good. Could you fucking imagine? You're a New Yorker, and you're like, oh, I hear that Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and, like, I'm right in the Hill Ramos are filming a movie around the corner. Let's go check it out. And you just happen to pop by and be in a shot, and it's Ghostbusters. Like, you wouldn't have any – you'd be like, why are they dressed like that? And what's on their back? And, like, what's this ghost logo? I think about it all the time with, like, the, in the Columbia University stuff. Like, every yeah. scene, if you want to, you watch the background, you can see where they've shut down the streets and people are just milling about. And they're being like, what the fuck is going on with that? You know what I mean? Similar to, like, the montage thing when the one newscaster – I don't know who he is. I'm sorry, but he's like – my grandmother used to tell a story about a spectral locomotive that rocketed past the far. There's a guy who stops behind it and is like adjusting his beard. Like, yeah. he's, not, he's not an extra. Yeah. He's, got, like, he's talking to the documentary. Like, that's just a guy. And so yeah. like, imagine being that guy. You're like, like oh, they're doing a news report here. Weird. Then you're in the biggest comedy of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone in his wearing... life must have been like, was that Rob? Was Rob? Yeah. <laughs> and you know it's Rob because he's wearing denim on denim. He's yeah, got yeah, the whole Canadian tuck theater. Anyways, back to the plot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry everybody. Uh, you know, we get to, might have to put a little overtime in on this one. As they get there, you know, things start to shift. It starts to get a little bit more serious. The building starts to fight back. It shakes. Stuff falls. They dodge it. Uh, the the uh, road itself goes all crazy and eats them, but they get back out. And there's that line that's seared into my brain from the, it's the, you know, wild call from the extra. Like, there they are! When they when it comes out and when they all come out. I don't know why it, like, resonates so much. with the type of shit, dude. There they are! We've uh, seen yeah. though, like it definitely looks like they died, right? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. It's a weird scene for sure, but like, yeah. I, I appreciate it. Like, it, it was, was like, worth, the, worth the bit. It's back to, you know, how you were talking about, like, oh, man, it's funny that the key master gets locked out every time, and nobody – that, that joke never gets called attention to, right? Like, in the commentary, like, when you listen to it, when we get to the very end of the movie and they, you know, cross the streams and blow everything up, and, like, you look at that explosion, like, they were very clear, like, yeah, we wanted the explosion to be so big that there's no reason anyone would ever possibly survive it, but we survive it just for laughs. And it's like it's like such a thing of like you watch that movie like now completely remote. You're like, what the fuck? Why is this explosion so intense? And all yeah. they are is covered in marshmallow, which wouldn't even make sense with the way it would blow back. They were just like, we thought it was funny, so we did it that way. Like, all right, mm-hmm. whatever. All right. You made a movie. Like, great. There, there's a wide shot that they do after the police car goes in, and I swear to God, you can see like their arms, and it, it looks crushed. like they've been crushed. <laughs> and it's like, what? That's a weird inclusion. But they have this giant celebration rallying moment, right? They survive the thing. Every cheers. Like, all right, they want to play rough? Let's play rough. They do the little Ghostbusters hand thing. Then they run in, and then it's all that momentum is gone. And it's that it's the shot of the staircase going up and the boom. Full crushing shot. Hilarious. All right, when we get to 20, tell me. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, from there we get uh, uh, a check-in with uh, uh, the uh, key master and uh, uh, the gatekeeper. Uh, they are there on the altar. Uh, his belt's undone. They had some sex there. You know what I mean? It's something that, again, it, cutting room floor, there is a deleted scene after, after they get saved where uh, they get reunited. He's like, oh, I can't believe we went through that. And he's like, by the way, did we? And she goes, no, Lewis. And he's like, I'm pretty sure. And she just goes, no, Lewis. And he walks no. away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, they go up and get into position into their little, like, pr- prayer poses or whatever. Or get ready to be in their prayer poses. Uh, Ghostbusters uh, arrive on the right floor. Uh, Egon has lines. Art Deco. Very nice. <laughs> They're all exhausted and ready to die. That's what he says. So good. Uh, they go down, they go into Dana's apartment, the door falls down, they walk in, you know, it is a look around. Where do these stairs go? They go up. And then he's like, right, and he, Bankman leads, and then there's the one lightning bolt, and he's like, all right, you go. Uh, you, uh, you go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. He, he has all three of the other Ghostbusters go up before him. Uh, as they approach, uh, you know, we see it with uh, the gatekeeper and uh, the key master, uh, and then the, the the altar between them and the crazy uh, doorway. They put up their hands. Purple lightning comes down to them. It makes like a triangle similar to what we saw in the fridge. It, their energy opens the giant two swinging doors or whatever. Ghostbusters walk up to see all this happen and then see uh, them get came, turned into terror dogs. Uh, they run up into their position. Bankman has a great line of like, okay, so she's a dog. <laughs> like, that's it. We're accepting it. We're not going to talk about it. Let's keep moving with the, goal, the thing that's happening here. Before she turns into a dog, we get some solid shaking from Sigourney Weaver. And let me tell you, as a kid, terrifying. Yep. This is terrifying. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. I, I get that 100%. Um, Ghostbusters then come over and then you're on again like I don't know if you have it anymore Tim but like what at the time was the largest soundstage in the history of movies oh I didn't see anything about that that's cool as hell though like the stairs and all this shit like it was such a big deal that for I, I even like before commentaries and shit like that there's so much of it there's a great photo of Chevy Chase and Bill Murray on the steps doing like a stupid like musical looking number kind of thing yeah um, there's a uh, one of the facts is the the Ghostbusters song became such a big hit and in the music video there's a ton of celebrity cameos including Chevy Chase and stuff she had to have him back then you know what I mean real team player Nick oh yeah 
Uh, they walk over there. Uh, the door is open, and Gozer the Gozerian comes out, right? Uh, this uh, For so many people, both children and adults alike, I've had it so many times where people thought it was Annie Potts. They thought it was Janine. They're confused why these characters look so much alike or whatever. It is not. It is Gozer the Gozerian. Uh, this crazy flat top, red eyes, and high heels. Why not? Yeah. And it, it, we have the whole thing of, like, it's a girl. It's whatever it wants to be. Uh, they come out and have the conversation, right? Uh, somebody should talk to it again or whatever. Go get her, Ray. <laughs> Another fun, if you want, like, you know, obviously I know if you're watching this this deeply, you know how much Ghostbusters has influenced my life. One of my favorite things uh, that I like to think in my little ways of being able to pay homage to anything in my uh, trending gamer speech uh, at one point I go, I am a duly elected representative of you, the gamers. That's directly from here, mm-hmm. where Ray gets up and says he's a duly ambassador rec- uh, of the city, county, and state of New York. Next time, <laughs> Next time you win one, I want you to like go to the Gozerian. Good evening. Gozer listens to Ray's entire speech, right, and then goes, "Are you a god?" And he looks back at the guys and they go, and "He goes, what? No? Then die." Spins back out, purple lightning. That doesn't really hurt him, it seems. Just shoot the back of the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, I know, I know, right? But they're really raising the stakes. Then we get the shot from the ground of just the purple lightning shooting off. And everybody's, everybody's like, ah, no. Everybody's yeah, freaking yeah. out down there. Uh, but this is when Winston, you know, uh, Ray, if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bankman, this chick is toast. So they get up they there. Dubbed her, they dubbed her in this, right, too, right? Because, I mean, obviously... But I, I think that was the thing where she had such a thick accent. The actress they they chose that they had to like overdub her with someone else's voice. I would believe it, but I'm on. I don't have. I don't have a memory bank on that one. Yeah. Didn't she was like Tim, a, Tim say was the director? No, that was no, that's Jules. 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 Oh, that was right. Sigourney right, Weaver's right, voice. Yeah, I forget yeah. who did Gozer's voice. Hold on, I have it. I have it. I yeah, Lana Jovan was the actor, but I don't know. I think she was like. I think she spoke with too much of an accent. Gotcha. But I could be wrong. Well, Tim looked it up. He's closing in on it. Timmy's on the hunt. Just fucking up. My my keyboard battery just yeah, died. They go over there and they they go to blast her right like they and they do the whole thing. Make them hard. Ready, smoking all that shit. Let's go to this prehistoric bitch. How we do things downtown? Uh, they shoot. She does a crazy little jump over there. Lands on the thing. <laughs> Nimble little minx, isn't she? Yeah, great line. That probably got me the most. <laughs> uh, they shoot. She disappears and they're like. Total protonic reversal. It's Miller time. And you guys like, this is extraordinarily bad. <laughs> and the whole thing starts shaking and shit starts falling. And that's when we get the narration of goes and the goes alien, go in the destructor. And then it, like, choose the form and perish. And like, choose, we don't understand. Choose the form. Oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, they're saying, she's saying, you know, if we think of Jager Hoover, Jager Hoover is going to show up and destroy us. So just clear your minds. Don't think of anything. And if you stop for a second to analyze, it would be, all right, J. Edgar Hoover is going to show up to destroy you. Right, <laughs> you exactly. thought about it. There's not like an unspoken contract with Gozer, but yeah. they all clear their minds, of course, except Ray, but we don't know that until they get the funny, I'm not thinking anything. My mind's completely blank. Did you think of anything? And then they all slowly look at Ray. Watching Ray in this whole scene is so good. Yeah. Because, like, early on, like, it was right after he talks about J. Edgar Hoover, you see Ray go, like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, I'm definitely yeah. thinking about something right now. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I try to think of the one thing that could never hurt me. We used to roast we book. And I love the Ghostbusters reactions as Ray continues to talk about it. We used to roast him to see if a marshmallow was at uh, Camp Wakanda. Can you imagine, though, being in the audience, a fully formed adult watching this and being like, what is that? <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell this thing is. 
Well, and I, mean, I have I no think, reference for it. I, I, for me, it's, I think you get enough of it of like, it's a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and he talks about roasting with the campfire. You're like, oh, it's some Marshmallow Man, fine. I think it's more on like your second viewing. We're like, oh, fuck, those are the marshmallows on our thing. Or, oh, fuck, there's a, a poster when the ghosts are coming out, there's a fucking Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, logo over there. Is is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man a thing now? Like no. in we were you and I. I mean, for Ghostbusters. No, 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 no. I'm saying in the, like... Did they ever no, make a brand out of it? Really? No, I don't believe they did. They didn't make a brand out of it, but you can now, in, for Afterlife, go out and buy, in, in certain shops, you know, uh, uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow. But that's a That's why, like... There you were are, wild. That's the thing, though. Like, what were the marshmallows that were popular when we all grew up? Because I could have swore it was something like that. I'm mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. Jet puffed. Don't worry, I'm yeah, jet puffed is what you're thinking of. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 And I, I was like, stay puffed. I'm like, wait, no, fuck, that's not right. I can't, uh, I can't believe that, like, they didn't license the right out. Because it's like, stay puffed. Like, I've always thought that was a thing. Like, I understand that it wasn't. But then I certainly thought that once it was, like, this movie happened, that some company was like, yeah, we'll, we'll buy it, all of it. I mean, they did. Yeah. At one point, Pear gave me as a gift some Stay Puft uh, caffeine laced marshmallows. I forget. But, you know, it's an IP deal, but there was never like a standing for years you could go buy Stay Puft. Yeah, see, I just always assumed they made it up because they didn't want to clear a brand and they made it the character. Because I remember Jet Puff. I'm looking at Crash Nowadays, Jet Puff right now. Nowadays, like, now, like, and I mean, that. like, I mean, you know, sure. it, you already see, like, obviously, there's, you can go buy Stay Puffs in certain places. I digress. Yeah, anyway, this is just tangentially related to this, but the design, they were like, yeah, it's Michelin Man and, uh, uh, Pillsbury Doughboy. That's fucking hilarious. That is bang on perfect. Uh, so it's Safe Up Marshmallow Man. He's walking down the street, right? Again, more funny lines here. I was talking about it. And uh, I, I love the Egon one. Egon, what do you got for me? Sorry, Nick, but I'm too terrified beyond the realm of rational thought. Beyond the realm of rational thought. But he says it again. You want to talk about the Egon character? Yeah. He says it so dead pit. I'm terrified yeah. beyond the capacity for rational thought. And so, uh, he, you know, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man approaches, eventually steps on a church. He's like, nobody steps on a church in my town. One, two, three, roast them. They blast him. He blows the fire back up. They run back. Um, you know, they sit there, and uh, there's a one throwaway line before we come back for the actual plan. But it's the um, uh, funny us getting taken out like this by a 100-foot Marshmallow Man. And, you know, and, and Bankman goes, you know what? We've got this all wrong. This this Mr. Safehouse, he's a sailor. He's he's in New York. We get this guy late. We don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we go back to Safehouse Marshmallow Man, burnt, you know, climbing the building and, and fucking painting it on fire. Uh, and this is where. Oh, sorry. I was looking for pictures of the set of uh, so the cool. Gozerian oh, yeah. like altar. But I found the Stay Puff Man like set when he's walking through New York, and it's just really cool. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. It's so wild to see this. Let me have another yeah, one. Yeah, all that practical stuff, right? Know what they did? Yeah, well done. him on fire. Um, oh, so then after that, we come back, and it's Egon's got a plan. You know what I mean? There is cool one way to do this. The Kevin's just had up. That is very damn cool, cool, man. Like, the use of these, like, scale models and shit, it's just like, dude, it doesn't feel this way when you watch the movie. Like, no, no, no. That, the sequence of him walking towards the camera fairly far away and seeing the cityscape all around it, I thought they looked fantastic. And so uh, Egon says, you know, basically the door swings both ways. We could close it if we cross the streams. Cross the streams. You said crossing the stream was bad, Egon. You're going to endanger us, and then you're going to endanger the lives of our client, who paid us in advance before she became a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And Egon's like, there's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. And another great uh, Bill Murray delivery of line of, like, there's, like, every day, like, this fucking sucks. And he's like, I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's go do it. (laughs) And uh, Winston gets the job's definitely not worth 11.5 a year. So they run over there, um, and another heartfelt line here, right? Of like, uh, 
Huh? 84. 11 5, I know, right? Like, yeah, nothing, God. Well, I mean, the, but the, the, um, Ecto 1 was only, what, what did they say? It was like 12 something, right? This was $4,800. $4,800. Oh, 4800 yeah. You're right, you're right. I think you saw it in chat where they were like, yeah, hey, they, they converted it. Uh, so then we get over here and we get this heartfelt moment from Pete and Ray, right? I'll see you on the other side, Ray. Nice work with you, Dr. Bankman. I get choked up saying it. <laughs> and, and, like, you know, I mean, and, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know how much we ever talked about it on podcast, but this is how deep our love of Ghostbusters goes, is that at one point, Poe and I stopped talking to each other. We had a big fight. And in our final conversation, I, we said this to each other. Where I was like, see you on the other side, Ray. And he goes, pleasure working with you, Dr. Bankman. And we just hung up and never talked to each other. Fucking for, nerds. You fucking losers. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, so they cross the streams, and then, every, you know, Winston and Egon come in, and they cross the streams into one giant, like, you know, fireball tornado thing that goes in there. Uh, Stay puff in the background totally notices this is all fucked up. Goes, <gasps> like, it's all big or whatever. And then, yeah, they, like, like, they run away, and then the door blows, and, like, just this giant fucking explosion of everything everywhere, right? And we see... Uh, Stay Puft get nuked and, like, all that stuff. This is when we, you know, get the scene of chaos on the ground where you have Walter Peck gets all the shaving cream dropped on him. And, again, like, Willem Atherton, I assume it's his real line, his real recording, right? I'm just a... <laughs> angry scream as he gets destroyed by this shit. is so fucking good. Um, but then, you know, the sky's clear. All the destruction's gone. And we get, you know, uh, Ray getting up covered in, oh, he got chopped around of all destruction. We see the, you know, barbecue, the terror dogs or whatever. Uh, we see Ray get up covered in it. Winston's okay. They start calling out. They find Egon. I feel like the floor of a taxi cab. Uh, then, you know, Pete Venkman pops up totally, pretty much totally fine. Not covered in marshmallow, right? Uh, for his big scene and the romantic scene here in this movie. Uh, and that's when they go over there and they find, we get a, uh, the, the pan of the terror dog all fried and, uh, you know, like burnt dog hair. <laughs> oh, Vinkman. Oh, Vinkman. I'm sorry. I forgot. And, he's in, you know, uh, Bill Murray walks out of frame, and then Mr. Gorney Weaver's hand comes out and starts breaking down the thing. And then all the Ghostbusters start working on it and smashing it through this, like, charcoal uh, uh, terror dog. Uh, while they're doing that, cool, you hear by the way. Sorry? It was super cool. Her hand popping out and yeah, all that. Like, it. that's really, really rad. So rad. Uh, while that happens, uh, Louis Tully also wakes up and, what? Who turned oh, off the light? Yeah, check out that little guy. Uh, so they run over there to help her. Uh, he, They're uh, even that small, these assholes. You know what I mean? I know. Fucking tall pieces of shit. Uh, Vinkman gets uh, 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 Dana out of it, right? And she's kind of got memory loss of all of What's going on? Why am I? Oh, hi. She's like, it's a very, like, you know, she's excited to see him moment or whatever. Meanwhile, we get the Lewis side of it where they get him out. And he he comes down. He's like, Superintendent's going to be pissed. Who are you guys? And, and Ray is covered in marshmallows. just like, we are the Ghostbusters. And he has that moment. Who does your taxes? MVP of this movie. You know what I mean? MVP of this movie is the one and only uh, Lewis Tully. And so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you've been part of the biggest uh, cross rip of, since the Gust of Last. Great. <laughs> cool. Great. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we get the Ernie Hudson's line of, I love this town. Slap. And then we're into the, you know, montage. Not a montage, but credits, I guess, or whatever. 